You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. You are now jacked into the virtual matrix. Please stand by. Who are you? For the latest in professional wrestling. I am the master of the middle finger. Video gaming. Chief ass whooper of sorry sons of bitches. And movie and entertainment. Beer drinker. Among beer drinkers. And here is your host. All I'm offering is the truth. Nothing. JJ Sexy. Guys, good evening. Welcome to another edition of right here on the SNS Radio Network. It wouldn't be a Friday night here in Calgary, Alberta, Canada, without a little bit of issues from my internet service provider on this particular night. Uh, looking in the chat, packed chat room, a lot of things to cover tonight. We're going to be talking a little bit about SmackDown momentarily. Uh, very big show tonight. I, I was very impressed with the way SmackDown turned out. Not only that, at the top of the hour, I do believe we're going to be joined by former WWE talent Maria Canales. We're going to find out what Maria's been doing since she left World Wrestling Entertainment um, last year. So we'll definitely find out what's on the mind. I know Chris Kelly is going to be dropping by from HeadlocksToHeadlines.com to drop the news of the week. Some interesting news stories as of late, but... Uh, of course, I am Mr. Money on the Mic, J.J. Sexay. Again, welcome to another edition of Unplugged right here on the SNS Radio Network. Oh, I'm just going to take a deep breath. Anytime there's a packed chat, anytime we got things going on, it seems like problems are a-brewing, or a-brewing, excuse me, on the old Shoutcast server. So that said, let's go ahead and pop right into the SmackDown recap for tonight. Alright guys, we start things off on SmackDown tonight with uh, same same pretty much as Monday Night Raw this past Monday. 
we start things off with what should be the main event of the night. So this is two days this week that the WWE has kind of pulled some sort of wild swerve in having the World Heavyweight Championship and, of course, the WWE Championship defended to start the show off. Of course, we get a last-man-standing match between uh, the World Heavyweight Champion Edge and the former champion, Kane. Uh, a very good matchup back and forth. I know there's a lot of people out there that aren't big fans of Edge. And, you know, i got to be honest, over the last year or so, you know, Edge doesn't have, hasn't been a compelling character. Uh, now that he's back on SmackDown, you know, this feud he's had with Kane has been very hit or miss. You know, the fact that he had to kidnap Paul Bearer uh, <laughs> to take the championship away from Kane is something that's bothered me uh, for quite some time. But in this particular match, Edge wins it. I mean, he basically does everything in the book to keep Kane down, uh, but a well-placed concerto to the knee of Kane is what secures the victory and the 10 count. Uh, thus, Kane loses the match. Edge is still your world heavyweight champion. So we're going to see where that's going to go uh, from this point on. So on top of that, the next thing that we start up, we go from the World Heavyweight Championship to the Intercontinental Championship. Dolph Ziggler defending against uh, the man he beat for the Intercontinental Championship some time ago. And we've seen these two go back and forth uh, in quite a few series over the last six months. Kofi Kingston taking on Dolph Ziggler for the Intercontinental Championship. This was a very spotty match. And, you know, I like to give Jeff Hardy a lot of uh, a lot of crap because I always say that he's high when he wrestles. But I don't think even Jeff Hardy gets near as high as Kofi Kingston. Case in point, um, <laughs> Kofi Kingston jumping about 20 feet in the air with a high cross body gets the pin on Dolph Ziggler, becomes the new Intercontinental Champion. Of course, Dolph Ziggler, after the bell, attacks, hits the zigzag on Kofi Kingston, and Vicky Guerrero gets on the microphone and says, since Teddy Long isn't there tonight, that she is in charge, she's the general manager, and that this match will be restarted. Unfortunately for her, this does not bode well for Dolph Ziggler, who gets beat by Trouble in Paradise, knocked out cold, 1-2-3, still your Intercontinental Champion, Kofi Kingston. Like I said, I thought the match was really good. I just found it interesting that you go back-to-back -back championship matches, starting with your World Heavyweight Championship, followed by your Intercontinental Championship. Very interesting, in my opinion. Uh, the next match of the night is a number one contenders match. It's a, tri it's a triple threat. Big Show dashing Cody Rhodes versus Drew McIntyre. Uh, before the match even starts, Vicky comes out and says, you know what? No, it's not going to happen. We're going to make this a fatal four-way and introduces Dolph Ziggler back into the mix. So um, this match goes, um, I'd say, about 10, 20 minutes, 10, 15 minutes. Uh, Big Show really keeping the offense. All three smaller guys, he keeps most of them out of the ring. Drew McIntyre has uh, a lot of frustration trying to get back into the ring at several points. Big Show keeping him from getting in. Really manhandles Cody Rhodes at one point. There was a spot where the Big Show had Cody in the corner, and he just backed right up and put a big old stink face in uh, the face of Cody Rhodes, which I, I absolutely loved. Um, 
course, Dolph Ziggler comes in, tries to get the best of the Big Show, hits the zigzag, Big Show kicks out, uh, tries multiple times to pin the Big Show. And then finally, he looks over to Cody and says, hey, let's get him. And uh, when Cody's attention is diverted, he hits the zigzag on Cody Rhodes and rolls him up for the one, two, three. So now your number one contender for the World Heavyweight Championship held by Edge is the former Intercontinental Champion, Dolph Ziggler. Uh, next up, we have Michelle McCool versus Kelly Kelly. This is a very, very quick match. Uh, Michelle McCool basically squashes Kelly Kelly. Then you have the tandem of Layla and, of course, Michelle McCool beating down Kelly with what I believe was a uh, a stroke-like maneuver, you know, very made famous by TNA superstar and former WWE Intercontinental Champion Jeff Jarrett, uh, the front face buster. Basically, Drew McIntyre makes the save here and runs the girls off and attends to Kelly. So the main event for tonight... And this speaks volumes. The main event for tonight was a two out of three falls match between Alberto Del Rio taking on Rey Mysterio. Uh, in the first fall, Rey Mysterio falls victim to the cross arm breaker, thus getting a tap out, and Alberto Del Rio secures the first fall. In the second fall, this is really good, Rey sets up for the 619, uh, misses... And then Alberto Del Rio counters a few moves. Ray then hits a face buster on Alberto Del Rio and hits a Le Mahistral cradle for the roll-up and uh, evens things up at one and one. Uh, for the final fall, these guys go back and forth. Ray hits the 619 several times. It seemed to me like every, every particular uh, amount of offense that Ray would put in, he would try to get a 619 in. I think he goes for that way too much. But in the end... Um, he's knocked out of the ring as he's trying to get back into the, uh, to the count. The referee's doing the 10 count. Uh, the personal ring announcer of Alberto Del Rio, Rodriguez, uh, out of the referee's viewpoint, holds down the leg of Rey Mysterio, allowing Alberto Del Rio to get the count out victory, thus making him the winner of the two out of three falls. Of course, after this match is over, uh, Rey Mysterio chases Rodriguez around ringside and uh, lays a beating on the personal ring announcer of Alberto Del Rio. Now, the fact that they've made this the main event for tonight really showcases the fact that you're going to see a big push for Alberto Del Rio and probably Rey Mysterio on the SmackDown brand over the coming months. Do I think Alberto Del Rio is going to win the Royal Rumble? I don't. Not at this stage in the game, but I look for him to be a major player on the SmackDown brand. So that was your recap for SmackDown tonight. You know what? I thought it was a great show. I was entertained uh, from the start of the show to the end of the show. And, you know, I think WWE this week delivered two solid shows going into the new year in 2011. So kudos to them. And I look forward to seeing what uh, what the rest of the year, especially the month of January going into the Royal Rumble, brings. So with that said, I'm going to bring in from headlocks to headlines.com, Chris Kelly. What's going on tonight, man? Uh, man, nothing much. Uh, you actually forgot one bit of news from SmackDown. What's that? Wade Barrett is now on SmackDown. Oh, that is true. He did come in and attack Big Show. 
Let's see. I, I, make li- I, I couldn't trump yeah. your news. I couldn't trump your news story. Okay, so yes, they, Wade Barrett is now officially um, on SmackDown. Uh, WWE created decided not to have him a feud with the Nexus, so look forward to seeing Wade Barrett versus The Big Show this coming week on SmackDown. And you know what? I'm mixed on this. I, I really wanted to see Wade Barrett get some revenge on CM Punk and The Nexus. But I also would love to see him get a push and possibly go towards one of the, the, the world titles, like uh, like Edge versus Wade Barrett at like uh, in the Elimination Chamber, the one after the Rumble. I, I think that'd be, I think that'd be a good match to see because I think Wade Barrett could could easily hold that world title. I think the Nexus got him over um, enough with the fans that we could take him as a credible heel. Well, absolutely. But you know, the thing that bothers me about this whole scenario is that we go from Monday night. Him getting screwed over by CM Punk to, oh, well, he's just now on SmackDown. I mean, there's no continuance of the storyline. It's just like, oh, well, you know, there's no reason for him to go back there. You know, he doesn't have the Nexus anymore. But there's no follow-up to it. I mean, now, granted, if you did do a follow-up, it would almost turn Wade face. So it doesn't make sense to do that. But at the same time, it would almost make sense to have some sort of a wrap-up, if that makes any sense. Maybe I'm babbling. I, it just It kind of left a bad taste in my mouth. You know, having the guy strong as the leader of the Nexus, he gets screwed, or excuse me, a better term, he gets punked out of being the leader of the Nexus, and now he's he's over here on SmackDown attacking the Big Show. I'm thinking at the Rumble we might have some some, some kind of stare down, and you'll see probably Way Barrett getting made by CM Punk. Um, now here's a quick uh, trivia, uh, quick question for you. Um, when, when was the last time that neither John Cena or Randy Orton were involved in a WWE or World Hotel match on pay-per-view? The last time they were not involved in either a WWE or World Hotel match. You're talking, so you're asking me Randy Orton and John Cena? Yes, last time they were not involved in a World Hotel match. Um, at the Rumble or, or just in pay-per-view in general? Just in general. Last time, last time, those two guys were not involved in a title match on a on a pay per view for the WWE or World Heavyweight Hmm. Oh, it's been a while. I mean, granted, John Cena hasn't been involved in the title pitcher in a while. Randy Orton has it, pretty much nonstop been in the title pitcher for the last I don't know what five six months. Last time there was a pay per view without either Cena or Orton being a title match was Cyber Sunday, two thousand and eight. When it was Triple H versus Jeff Hardy for the WWE title and Jericho versus Batista for the World Heroic title. Really? Um, yes. Almost two years, three years since the World had not been in the main event. That is insane. What else do we have? Um, now, here's something that I, I found funny. Apparently, WWE is uh, training Michael Cole to take bumps so he can wrestle in a future match on WWE Raw. <laughs> Oh, after how many years of service? Michael Cole's been with this company since I'd say about 96, 97. So you're going to tell me that after all this time, now it's like, oh, we're going to make Michael Cole an active competitor, or at least get him ready for a match. Uh, you know what? This has a plus and a negative written all over it. I would like to see Jerry the King Lawler beat the piss out of Michael Cole for costing him the WWE Championship. To me... That would be fair game. You will probably end up seeing some sort of a tag match with, say, Michael Cole and Jerry the King Lawler 
you know, being involved. Like I'd say the Miz and Cole, maybe Morrison Lawler on Raw in upcoming weeks. That would make sense to do that. I mean, it just it furthers that storyline a little bit, but it's interesting. Michael Cole training to take bumps. Gotta love it. Okay, I got a few more news. Apparently, Christian is expected to be returned next month, so thus missing the Rumble. But but the great Kali will be in the Rumble after returning from the Indian Big Brother, I do believe. Which well, I don't know when we the Kali will get back. About three eliminations and then get tucked out by the whole rest of the pack. Um, now here's a bit of news that I found funny. A man is trying to sue WWE for injuries he suffered at a, at the pay per view back in 2001 Judgment Day. Uh, he, he he alleges that he suffered leg injuries after being um, pushed by The Rock and Triple H as they brawled during the crowd. And he's claiming that, that, that the injury he suffered at, at, at the pay-per-view due, due, due to the push is now affecting him in life. Ten years after the matter of fact. So you're telling me that in 2000, this guy supposedly got injured at a WWE event and is now yeah. trying to sue not only World Wrestling Entertainment, but we're talking The Rock, Dwayne Johnson, and Triple H. Yes, he is. He's, he's trying to sue them ten years after the fact that it happened. You can't make this stuff up, folks. And to, and to make his uh, case even less um, pointless, his friends have pointed out that on his Facebook page there's a picture of him uh, racing cars and crashing them, thus showing that his leg injury has not been at all legit since suffering it at the pay-per-view 10 years ago. Yeah, I, I think this guy doesn't have a, you know, forgive the pun, <laughs> I don't think he has a leg to stand on. Wow, GG, bad pun. Um, uh, one last bit of news. Apparently, WWE will be um, inducting Lex Luger, Arn Anderson, and Ron Simmons into the Hall of Fame this year at WrestleMania to be the tie-in with the WCW theme. Well, you know what? Uh, Arn Anderson deserves it. Uh, you know, Lex Luger has done a lot for the business. Whether he, you know, obviously his WWF run was rather lackluster, but... You know, uh, as far as being a, a NWA star for many years and a WCW stalwart, uh, you know, rumor is too that Vince is trying to get, uh, Sting for the Hall of Fame. And, you know, in, 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 in Georgia where Sting was such a big name with WCW, I think that would be a great thing. But would that involve Sting wrestling a match within the WWE? No, no. Yeah. If he's, if he's inducted, he wouldn't have to wrestle a match. Ladies and gentlemen, joining the program, Maria. <laughs> So what has been going on in your world? I know you have been super busy as of late. I have, I, I have, but it's not as busy as my time with WWE because it's a different type of busy. I'm busy doing lots of stuff now, whereas before I was very busy doing one thing. So everything from Diva Mania to acting and to working on pilots and doing pilot season right now, and I also have two songs that I'm recording. There's a movie that I'm a producer on, so I'm very, very busy right now. <laughs> My first question is, okay, as a singer, did you like your theme song? Because I don't think it suited you. 
No, I didn't like either of my theme songs, actually. Uh, the first one I got because I came from the Diva Search, and so that was just kind of the music that they gave me. And the second one was supposed to be Stacey Keebler's song. So, um, and of course, with like like that, like it was supposed to be Stacey's song, and I ended up getting it, but I always wanted to change my music. You know, yeah. uh, hang on, hang on a sec, Crowley. It, it, it's funny that you mentioned that. I was actually going to ask you about that because I was pretty sure that that theme was originally meant for Stacey Keebler. It, you know, I don't know if you, you're keeping up with the product, but uh, I don't know if they still have the same music guy over in the WWE. I think I don't know if Jim Johnson has left the company or not, but a lot of the wrestler theme musics that they have nowadays um, sound a lot alike, like Tyler Rex and a few other ones. It's the same song with just a couple different beats. I think it's Tyler Rex and Darren Young have the same theme song, but... It's just differentiated yeah, enough. You know, it used to go with the person. It used to be like the Rock's music you knew was the Rock. Hulk Hogan's music you, you knew it was Hulk Hogan. I mean, you still have the top guys that you, you know that it's their music. So the music used to go with the individuals, and I don't feel like it's, it's necessarily like that anymore. Like Michelle McCool had music that was three other people's before her, <laughs> <laughs> and and you would think that they would give her something that's her own and uniquely hers, but they didn't. I know things are changing. I mean, you know, like like you said, there used to be a time when the music was distinctive to certain people. You know, guys like Shawn Michaels and Triple H. You knew when that music hit, you knew who was coming out. I mean, I, there's you heard been... you heard the glass shatter, and you knew that it was Stone Cold coming out. Oh, absolutely. Like, you knew that's Tim. He's coming out. You know, and you you got excited for that. So I, I miss those kind of things in wrestling. Me too. Curly, go ahead. Okay, um, my first question. Um, the first time we saw you on WWE TV was 2004, I believe, in the Diva Search. Do you think, looking back now, uh -huh. the Diva Search was actually more successful than we give it credit for, since girls like yourself, Maurice, all came through the Diva Search? Yeah, I mean, Michelle McCool came from there, too. Michelle McCool, Layla did, Candice Michelle. Um, Melina came from Tough Enough. Um, I'm trying to think who else. Uh, you had Layla. Christy Hemme. She was from the Diva Search. I said Layla. Um, oh. <laughs> but there were so many girls. Um, there there were so many girls that actually came from the Diva Search. I think it was a lot more worthwhile when it was on television and it was done that way. I think that the way that they did it in recent years was less effective. Yeah, because I was watching, I, I was watching, I think it's the 2005 one when, when, when they had the Miz at, like, on Raw pushing it. Like, if they, if they were going to do that nowadays, like, they kind of did it like, with NXT where they had the rookies appearing on the separate show. I think if they, mm -hmm. uh, like, did you get a chance to watch NXT season four, where where it, it was all girls? I did not. No, I didn't watch it. I don't. I don't watch too much. I watch when I know my friends have something major coming up, like the tables match. I had to watch that. Um, I watched when Eve won the title. I had to see that. So th there's been a couple times that you know I knew it was going to be my friend that was in there, and I definitely tuned in, but. Not so much. I mean, when Dolph Ziggler has, like, a major match coming up, I'll tune in and watch that. So it's just certain times that I tune in, so I haven't seen the NXTs. Well, yeah, like, I, 
Like, how did it? No, I was gonna say that last season, that season three, the NXT with all the divas, it just it didn't work out as well as I think they had planned it to. But um, I can see your point. I wanted to kind of shift gears a little bit and ask, um, as far as someone who got into the business, did you watch wrestling growing up? Was it something that that you just kind of came into, or um, you know, was it something like like an agent said, "Hey, you need to try this." They're, they're doing this diva search. I mean, were you a fan of it growing up, or or was it just you know something that someone kind of said, "Hey, you should try that." I was a huge fan of it. I used to watch the parties. I actually flashed Jeff and Matt and Lita um, when they were at a show in Rockford, Illinois. Um, I was a huge fan. I I love them. I love The Rock. I thought he was so sexy and hot, and so I watched for that kind of aspect of things. Plus, I thought Trish was so strong and tough. Um, so I had watched when I was a little kid. I remember watching Roddy Roddy Piper growing up. Um, loved Piper's Pit. You know, so I watched as a kid. I got out of it during high school, and then I got back into it when I was in college and doing a lot of modeling and stuff. But when I started with WWE, I didn't have an agent. Um, I didn't have an agent. I didn't have a manager or anything. It was just I entered online. I heard about the contest when I was watching Monday Night Raw, and I just entered. And then, like, maybe a week later, I saw a picture of myself on TV and I was like, oh, my gosh, I think I've made it into the next round. And I had, and I went to Chicago. So and at Chicago, there was like 600 girls. So it was <laughs> it was a pretty big deal for me because I basically was this small-town girl that was just a fan of wrestling that was doing modeling. And I was like, oh, my gosh, now I'm going to be on national television. What a feeling to be standing out there for the first time going out you know, through the curtain and, and, you know, being in front of what, you know, 30, 40,000 fans in an arena. It's, it's, it's pretty, it's a pretty awesome feeling. Yeah. I always had to pee before I went out. <laughs> <laughs> I was so, so nervous. Like, it was, like, I wasn't even nervous. It was just, I was so excited to get out there that I constantly, I had to pee. And so I would go out there and just worry the whole time that I was going to pee my pants and, it was going to be the most embarrassing thing on the planet. Well, you know, the funny thing about that, if you don't get nervous uh, before you go out in front of that, then you're just doing it for the wrong reasons. Oh, exactly. Yeah, I think that if you're not nervous or excited or get butterflies or any of that, I think then you're going to do a horrible job. You don't really care about it. I've I've seen guys right before they go out, and you always can tell that they're amped up to go. It's like... It's like a, the the normal human beings turn into superheroes as they walk through that curtain. It's amazing to watch. So after after the uh, diva search, I believe you finished fifth. Uh, you were brought in as brought on as a backstage announcer who was quote unquote ditzy. Like, did you find it hard playing a character who people thought was who people thought was like just stupid and not very smart? No, actually, it was um, the easiest job ever because if you screwed up, nobody ever knew. Everybody just thought you were playing a character. So I could mess up constantly, and everybody was just like, oh, she's so funny. I screwed up tons of times. Um, But at the same time, I always hated when I was growing up being called stupid. I hated the dumb blonde type chick. And so I was always, I had this inner fight constantly about, okay, you're playing exactly what you hate. 
But then I grew to love it, and I think Vince did me a huge service by giving me that type of character. You know, hmm. the, the the funny thing about that, I remember watching back in 05, uh, around the time they were having the trial for Eric Bischoff before Vince threw him in the dumpster, and of course, you know, you were the ditzy airheaded character, and when they asked you the question, you were like, no, and you were, you were very intellectual. And, and that was, that was a great moment for your character on TV. Uh, and I'm marked for that because I thought, <laughs> she put it to Bischoff. And that was, I love that. That was good. Thank you. Thank you very much. I thought that worked out well. It was fun. Yeah, it was fun to do. And I remember sitting there and having to say all those legal terms and, um, having Vince sit right next to me and I got it. I got through it in one shot and then we had to shoot it one more time because of the camera thing. So I did it twice and I said all of it in no two times. And I think it was simply out of fear because I was afraid that if I screwed up, Vince was going to hate me. So after working as a backstage announcer, you made your in-ring debut in, I do believe, 2005. What was it like to transform from being a backstage announcer to actually being an in-ring competitor? Um, it was it was great. I wish though that I would have done it a little different. I wish that because when I when I came into doing that, I was I was being a backstage announcer. I was learning on the road how to do stuff in the ring, but it, it was just a, a weird time where it's like I I, I feel like I could have had more time in the ring right off the bat to kind of uh, help things along. But at the same time, I was so busy with, like, other things I had to do. So it was just a weird time thing. But um, I always thought of myself as, like, a spider in the ring. I never quite looked forceful enough. But uh, it was it was interesting. And I always had Lita to help me. Lita was amazing with me in the ring. I remember um, her training me and doing some things with me and – her just kneeing me in the elbow so hard and all of a sudden I was bleeding all over the place and I wouldn't say anything because I didn't want her to think I was weak. So I just continued on and then she's like, all right, thanks, kid. And I went to the back, I got cleaned up and then we had our match that night and it was Edge and Lita against me and Cena. And that was just the craziest experience. And during that match, I swear to you that Edge was knocked out half the match. Oh wow! Yeah. <laughs> uh, did, did, what, was he was he like knocked loopy from from John Cena? Or I mean, what, what had happened there? From something. Who knows when you're out there? I mean, you could you could uh, tilt your head funny when you land on a bump and you get knocked funny, and uh, it happened to me numerous times when I was on the road. I'll never forget when um, Victoria came over the rope and did one of her leg drops when she um, dives over the rope and she does a leg drop on you. And for some reason, it just hit me funny, and I didn't kick out. And thank God Victoria is such an amazing wrestler, and she, you know, was able to revive me while we were in there. <laughs> was like, you okay, kid? You okay? And um, it's just it's one of those things that just happens. Well, now that, that's that, that kind of brings me to a good segue. You were talking about Lita helping you out, uh, even Victoria to to some degree. Did you didn't find it, you know, hard making that adjustment? I mean, were were the established uh, lady talents, you know, that have been wrestlers for years, like Victoria, like like Lita, um, 
were they okay with you know trying to kind of coach you along and teach you? I mean, I find that sometimes if you are willing. Yeah, I, I find there's a lot of resentment toward people who didn't kind of get the training in the business. They come in and, you know, people feel threatened. And I just, I wanted to, you know, see if that was something that you went through, but it doesn't really sound that way. Well, we, me, Michelle, Candace, um, I'm trying to think who else is in that group, but the three of us, we probably had it the hardest out of the Diva Search Girls because we did come in the first televised Diva Search and Everybody thought that we were stuck-up models that didn't want to learn and didn't know anything. Um, And it was hard. It was so hard. I remember going home crying every single day, like feeling like what did I get myself into but never wanting to quit because it was my dream to be a star. It was my dream to be in there with the wrestlers. So... We just stuck it out. I, like, we were crying constantly. Um, but then, you know, there there were people like Victoria that helped out Christy Henry every single weekend to teach her how to wrestle. I remember being on the road sometimes um, when I had to come out and do, mm. do something on the road, whether it be wrestle or some kind of bikini thing or whatever, and Victoria and Christy would be in the ring for hours before the actual show just learning, and Christy, you know, just trying to learn how to do different things. And then with Candace, she learned so much from Beth Phoenix. I mean, Beth was constantly in the ring with Candace and with me as well. See, I learned from, like, um, Victoria. I learned from Beth. I learned from Nikki. I, I, I learned a lot from, you know, all the girls that were down at OVW. Um, more so than I did the girls that were already on the road, but you know it was just it was just individual it was it was very individual, but I would definitely say that me, Michelle, and Candace had it the roughest out of the diva search girls oh wow in your in your opinion uh because do you think that w w e going from a t v fourteen uh, uh age rating to a PG uh, era did that affect how the divas could wrestle in in a ring at all? Oh, yeah, constantly. Like, we had to change stuff constantly as we were transitioning into things. Um, when we changed to PG-13 and, you know, when we when we change anything um, when it comes to television and television standings, we had to change what we were doing in the ring. We had to become um, less sexy, less, you know, show uh, show less skin. We, we had to be very careful what we were doing out there. So do you? So no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, I'll say, do you think that that the uh, that the current divas, the, the girls who are used to PG, uh, PG, do you think they would thrive more uh, if it went back to the uh, the old ratings? Because right now, wrestling fans seem to be kind of down on the uh, on on female wrestling, be it WWE or TNA, with the like the bright sparks being, of course, Beth Phoenix and Natalia. Do you think that the female wrestling thrives more in a PG era or in a TV 14 era? Um, well, I don't know. I don't know if it has to do with that. I, I don't know if it has to do with the rating. I think it more has to do with just uh, timing because when I first came into WWE, Trish and Lita and... Gail and those girls were having 12-minute, 13-minute matches at times, and that's amazing. Um, but 
I think that it's building back up. I mean, I think that the girls are getting to do more and more, and I think that eventually they'll have more time. But WWE is an entertainment company, and I think they're really trying to gear towards entertainment more than they are wrestling. Now, see, I, I would agree with that. Every time someone brings up the uh, the argument, you know, the PG versus what we had in the Attitude Era, I mean, the good thing about it is, as a father, I have three children, and I have no problems letting my kids sit down and watch Raw. In fact, my nine-year-old and my my three-year-old absolutely love to watch Raw and SmackDown. In fact, tonight they were watching the show, and they were upstairs, and I'm down I'm downstairs in my studio. And I could literally hear them going crazy when Kofi Kingston won the belt. And then the next minute, when Vicky came back on and said, "This match is restarted," they were they were very upset. I mean, they were they were yelling and screaming. So I love the fact that they have geared the programming uh, to to be family friendly. And you know, I think that that opens up a lot of uh, sponsorship opportunities with advertisers, as opposed to you know having these uh, bra and panties matches that they had during the Attitude Era. I just I think it's smart business. I, I do, too. I, I really do. I do wish that there was more wrestling on a wrestling show, um, but at the same time, I agree with you on the, the rating. Now, uh, the, uh, the other day I was watching this uh, match when it was you and Jeff Hardy versus uh, Johnny Nitro and Molina, and the best part of the match was actually the entrance when you started doing Jeffrey's little dance thing. Like, that was just super funny. <laughs> it was so fun. I loved working with Jeff. He's one of my favorite people in the whole world. Um, it was just, I, I asked him before. I was like a, a three-year-old kid or something. I was like, do you mind if I do the dance with you? And he's like, go for it, kid. <laughs> that was so much fun but i'm scared i was scared that if i did his dance then you know we'd be like well why you know uh, well, that's my stuff but he wasn't like that at all he was like no go for it and i was like okay so he did and i i was just so happy to be able to do that i think we can safely say your dance was better than jeff hardy's <laughs> no question <laughs> thank you i don't think so but thank you well, at least it was better to look at. Let's put it that way. <laughs> now, I have a quick question as far as uh, your tenure in the WWE. Is is there a favorite moment or story that you have uh, from being with the company? I mean, uh, I always get asked this question, and it's hard for me because there were so many great moments. When I won the Slammy, it was it's a wonderful thought to me that that was a fan vote, and I hadn't been at, been around very much because I was off the shooting Celebrity Apprentice, um, but I still ended up winning that, and so that was amazing, and that came as a huge shock to me. And um, so that that was one moment that I was super excited, and I thought, you know, okay, this, this is a good moment in my career. Um, when I worked with... Santino, there were so many great moments because I knew we made the crowd laugh and I knew that we we had something special. So I, I, there were many, many moments with him. Um, I really was excited for my storyline with Dolph because me and Dolph are friends and we have a really we have a close friendship. So working with him was amazing. When it comes to wrestling. Um, the dice match, when I pulled the dice down, um, and there were so many girls in the ring, and it was for the 
um, number one contendership for the, the title. And so that was a really cool moment, a lot of fun. Um, doing the tag match, working with Lita at any time was amazing. There were so many moments. I mean, there was a match that I did with Victoria that it was the first time that I jumped off the top rope. And I remember standing up there going, am I really going to do this? And then saying, hell yeah, you are. I told her that I went. So uh, there were so many great moments. There was a moment when we were off in um, Iraq, and I remember being up in a tower, and it was like a watchtower, and it was me and Cena and Flair was there, and Candace was with me. And I remember being up there with them and just thinking to myself, wow, we're doing something really special. So, so many moments. I can't pick just one. Sorry. No, that's that that that's fair. Um, I, you know, I really enjoyed the storyline you had with Dolph, and I, you know, I I think as far as uh, in terms of what he can do in the ring and his personality right now, I think that he has got one hell of a future ahead of him. I I see world champion written all over this guy. Oh yeah, me too. He's always loved wrestling, and you can tell that. You can tell the guys that have always loved it. You can tell the guys that grew up around it. He told me before that he went to, when he was even in amateur wrestling, that he used to have entrance music. (laughs) (laughs) And you don't get to do that in amateur wrestling, but he had entrance music. So, I mean, that you can tell that kind of thing. You can tell the guys like CM Punk that have been wrestling for years and years, and then they come to the WWE, and it's like, oh, yeah, okay, I am, I'm, amazing i'm awesome i can do this i love this and you're going to believe in me um you can see those guys um you can see that in the girls too you can see that in michelle like michelle was a huge fan huge me and her used to sit around together in catering and be like oh my god did you see who that was oh my god like we'd be freaking out at the guys that we were like around and working with so you can tell she loves wrestling because she goes out there and she gives it her all and even when she was injured, if I need to work on something, she would let me try it on her. And I'm like, are you sure? Are you sure? <laughs> she would. Um, tremendous, tremendous asset to the company. Well, you know, and the beauty about that is we're at a time right now in World Wrestling Entertainment where uh, the younger guys and gals like McCool and Dolph Ziggler and The Miz are being elevated to that next level. And I think it's great. I think this mm-hmm. is what the business needs. I think it is, too. I think it's it's what has to be done, because otherwise, what are you going to do? You're not going to have a show. Pretty soon, you know, you guys are going to either get too old or want to leave and have families or are going to get injured. And who do you have to bring up the rear? And now you have these people that you've already built up. I was just watching the segment from War from 2007 with yourself, Santina Marilla, and Stone Cold Steve Austin, the one where you got drenched with beer. Like... <laughs> Uh-huh. <laughs> Literally, what, what were your no thoughts? Okay. My thoughts was, oh, my God, I can't believe this is happening. Because when I was 19 years old, I would go to the show, and I would always try and get beer on me from Stone Cold Steve Austin because I thought he was, like, such a cool character. And I was like, okay, if we're close enough, it'll happen. <laughs> But then there I was in the ring with the man, and you know it was it was done, and that's amazing. Uh, we touched on it a bit a, bit a minute ago. Uh, of course, you, you managed both Dolph Ziggler and Santino. What are your like? Because when you were with Santino, you were kind of like uh, like a character who was comic, and when you and when you were with 
So I think that you were more of a serious character. Which one did you prefer being? Did you, did you find it more fun being, being a fun character? Or the more, or the more serious character with those Um, okay, it was more fun being the, like, humorous character, but I liked where my character with Dolph was going. I always wanted to be evil. I never got to be evil. I regret it to this day. Um, and sometimes I think to myself, maybe I should go back to just try and be bad for a while. <laughs> because I always wanted that. I always liked the bad guys. Um, but then, of course, I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm in the middle of this. But um, So I liked where Dolph's character was going and my, my character with Dolph was going, but I loved being the funny character. Yeah, there, there was one point that, like, I think everyone thought you that you were going to turn heel um, on SmackDown. I, I believe Ziggler was fighting Mysterio, and you sat on a chair at ringside. And I think everyone in that arena mm-hmm. thought that you were going to give him the chair and turn heel. So you're so you mm-hmm. you said that you would like to be a heel if if down the line you were return, you would like to be a heel for, for, for at least one day. I wanted to be in the two things that I wish. I wish I would have been a heel, and I wish that I would have won the championship belt. Mm. So just just for your just before your release, you started you started an on uh, on screen relationship with Matt Hardy. Did you ever find out like the uh, the long term plans for that? Because they did kind of plant the seed for it, but it never really got explained. Well, I'm not exactly sure where it would have gone, but me and Matt, were, we were friends, and we're still friends, so it's like we had planned it out to where, you know, it would be like a gradual relationship and see where it went, but it just it never happened because I got released in the middle of it all. But, um, yeah, I mean, I didn't know too many details about it. I just knew that it was going to end up being a relationship. I think your release was the most shocking of of of, of twenty ten because it was literally out of nowhere. Like you, you had yeah. won the, the the Diva of the Year award. Like WWE could see the fans were behind you, and then one day, I was like, "Huh? She's been released?" Like, no, like, yeah, <laughs> it, it it literally was out. Like, wait, she's been released? Are you sure? Really? Huh? Like, were you really giving much details about it? Because we the fans didn't really explain why you were gone. It was just like, she's gone. Why? Not sure. So were you ever really giving... You know what? They, they, left the, they left the door open for me. They said, you know, um, Vince texted me on Christmas. And I was like, Merry Christmas. And I said, Merry Christmas to you. Um, so the door's always open. That's what they tell me. And I, I know that right now I'm doing what... I need to do for my future and for my career. Um, and as much as I love WWE and the WWE fans, I didn't feel like I was giving, given enough time or enough opportunities to do what I wanted to do. Um, I always wanted to do films. I wanted to do films since I was a little girl. And just like I wanted to do something with the WWE. So it was kind of like, all right, it's now or never. Because really, if you try and start a film career when you're in your 30s, then it's a lot harder than when you're in your 20s. And so, you know, I I just had decided it was time. And unless I was able to do that when I was still with WWE, I was going to leave WWE. So that's what I did, is I left. Rather than stay and just get miserable because I wasn't able to do the things that I love. Now, if WWE would say, 
okay, yeah, we want you to be in the company, but you can also go out and do films, and you can have the op- those opportunities, and we won't hold you back from them. That's what I would have done, but that's not what happened. So after your release, you uh, appeared on King of the Cage as like a backstage announcer slash host. How did that kind of differ mm-hmm. from being a WWE backstage announcer? Well, at WWE, the guys know that they're going to talk to you. At WWE, it's part of the entertainment. Now, when you're at King of the Cage, these guys are going out there to get their faces beat in, basically. Some of them are going to pass out. Some of them are. And uh, they're not used to that whole process. I always felt like I was pulling teeth. Like I was like, come on, guys, you got to tell me something. Um, so it differed in that way. I love MMA, Ultimate Fighting, Jiu-Jitsu. I, 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 I like all of that stuff, so that was really fun for me. Unfortunately, um, Mark, or, um, sorry, Mark Burnett is no longer doing that. Um, and so when they found out they were no longer going to do King of the Cage, they were like, okay, well, I'm part of Mark Burnett's um, crew, so I got pulled off of that. Mm. So, as, as well as doing that, you are you also did release your uh, album, Seven Sins. Yeah. Uh, uh-huh. Explain to explain to our listeners who who might not have heard it what they can expect if they go over to iTunes and go purchase, purchase it. Um, it is rock music, twisted lyrics, and sex appeal. It's um, a combination of uh, Alice in Wonderland kind of feel and also something Rob Zombie would have in one of his movies or in his music. Um, Evanescency at times. Uh, it, it's a little bit of everything. It was um, came from a place where I was really going through a lot of transitions, and so there was a lot of uh, different types of music, I think, in it. But I'm actually going back in the studio to record two more songs, and I just got to lay the vocals down on those, so I'm excited about that. Uh, as you said, you did it kind of from your personal experience. As a as a writer, is it easier or harder to sing a song and write a song from personal experiences? I don't do anything that's not from personal experiences. So okay. I wouldn't know the difference, but I think it's easier because it's like if you can if you can find your own soul in whatever you're doing, then it's going to come from your soul. Mm-hmm. Cool. Okay, and the next biggest thing that uh, that recently was announced was was uh, was Diva Mania. Now, I, I you yeah. know, I'm quite interested in Diva Mania. Can you kind of explain to listeners what, what, is, what I am quite interested in Diva Mania? Oh. Like, like explain <laughs> it to listeners. Diva Mania is going to be a bar tour. It's a bar tour across the world. It's going to be in different bars. We're going to do signings during the day. There's going to be photo shoots with different magazines and newspapers and. Um, so, it, and we also plan on eventually having um, a Diva Mania calendar. So it's basically uh, the three of us going back out there and seeing the fans and having a good t- time with the fans. It's party with the diva, with, or party like a diva with a diva. Well, if you come, if you come over here to England, count me in because over here. You can drink at like 16. Well, so. what I want to do when I'm over in England is do a whole bunch. So I want to come over to England and do at least at least five, if not seven different bars and just uh, have a really, really fun time over there because I've never been able to spend any time any place that I've ever visited because WWE schedule is so crazy. So I'm hoping the next time I come over, it's going to be for a lot of fun. 
Well, now, so, speaking of England, sorry, I, I want to segue this real quick. Uh, I did receive an email. Uh, I've got a question for you from one of our good listeners over in Liverpool, England. This is from Carl. Uh, he wanted me to ask you, if you had turned heel in the WWE, what gimmick would you have liked to have played? Thanks in advance. And could you guys wish her the best in her future? <laughs> I would have loved to have been like a Bonnie and Clyde. And that's what me and Dolph wanted to do, was a Bonnie and Clyde type character, where it was all for the excitement in the relationship to uh, be hurtful and mean to other people. It's kind of like a turn-on to uh, be mean to others. I think that would have worked really good, too. Oh, it would have been so fun. It's so disappointing. <laughs> <laughs> I've also got another one from uh, from a namesake of yours. This is from Maria Brooks. Uh, apparently, today is Christmas for her. Um, she asks if you'll ever visit Serbia maybe with your upcoming Diva Mania tour, and uh, when we can, when will we have a chance to see you in a horror movie? Um, well, I'm not sure about Serbia, but I know that we're going um, to a lot of places. We have a lot of good opportunities, um, uh, London being one, Japan, yeah. and Tokyo, <laughs> Japan being another. So all over um, the United States, Mexico is asking for us to come out, all over Canada. So I'm not sure about Serbia yet, but I wouldn't say no. Um, horror film will be coming out in 2013. I'm doing a horror film. It's called um, Manos, The Search for Valley Lodge. It's a sequel to the worst horror movie in history, which is um, Manos, The Hands of Fate. But it's Quentin Tarantino loves the film. I'm actually going to be a producer on the film. And so probably, like, 2013, we plan on beginning filming at the end of this year. So I'm very excited. Gene Snitsky is one of my co-stars in it, so it's pretty exciting. Well, and the plus there is, Maria, if the movie doesn't do well, it won't be his fault. <laughs> very funny. <laughs> I had to put the zinger in. Sorry about that. Oh, no, That's all right. So now, you had mentioned your album Seven Sins earlier. When I wrapped the show up tonight, I was actually gonna gonna pick one of the songs from the album. Is there one in particular uh, that maybe is your favorite? Because uh, if you have one, I'm probably gonna play that for our song of the night going out. Um, Fantasy is my favorite. Fantasy? Okay, I'll so, play that because it's my first. Okay. Yep. Fantasy is my favorite because it's my first. <laughs> okay, we'll make sure we play that tonight then. And guys, okay. by the way, yeah, the person to contact about, about Diva Mania is Andrew Scott on Twitter at Scott slash, oh sorry, Scott Sleb, um, um, GMT. And he can, he can be emailed at ascott at scottslebgmanagement.com. That's something I had to plug. Um, I've actually got an email. Um, it says, um, uh, this is from JA from San Diego. Being a celebrity on Twitter, what is, the, what is the craziest thing a fan has ever tweeted you? People get mad at me for silly things sometimes. Like, I said that I, I hate druggies, <laughs> and they got mad at me. And yeah, I, it's just funny because I, I, don't, I don't really, I'm not going to apologize for that. I don't like people that do drugs. I never have. 
Um, so I think it's always so funny that people get mad at you for stuff like that. Um, so that's a little strange. People want pictures of my feet. I must have really nice feet. Uh, that's a little awkward. Um, I don't know. I'm trying to think if there's anything else. I mean, some people think that if they tweet me a hundred times, I'm going to tweet them back. Sorry, dudes, it's not the case. I only, like, if I retweet something, it's because it's either something I'm interested in or because I'm trying to help out a fan site or if it's maybe something I thought was inspiring, I'll retweet it. Or if it's funny, I'll retweet it. But I'm just not going to randomly retweet somebody or direct message them just because, you know, they want me to and they've tweeted me a million times in a row. <laughs> I think that <laughs> is like... filling up my mailbox, but I'm good. <laughs> I <laughs> think personally that is the, uh, pro- the pros and cons of Twitter. Like, it can be great because you get, like, like uh, so many fans, but then you get, like, the one guy who just sits there and, like, nonstop tweets you to the most random thing ever. And it can be quite annoying. Uh-huh. Sure. Um, it's Maria L. Canales. So, just my name with an L in the middle for my middle name. Um, I just got a uh, another email, and I, you know what? I, I wish people would put their names on emails, but this email is: Have you ever had talks with TNA Wrestling? I have never had official talks with TNA. Everybody always thinks that that's like the thing that you move to next, or you have to move to next. And who knows? Maybe I will. I don't know. Nobody knows anything for sure, really. So it's like uh, I never really had talks, talks with them. There was a couple people that were in TNA that had talked to me about it, but I just I decided it wasn't for me. I don't want to be in spandex when I'm 35. I don't want to be in spandex when I'm 40 and 50 years old. I want to figure out something else that inspires me, that it's it's okay to grow old and, and you're not going to be looked at like, person that's just hanging on to something. <laughs> I want it to be like, I want to be in it. I, I want to be doing it, and I don't want to be in spandex at 35. Yeah, I think the fans were like, when they debuted Mickey James and they kept teasing on Twitter who it was, and like they tweeted that it, that it, that it was a female singer. Straight away, people were like, oh my God, Tina uh-huh. uh, Sai Maria. And for a bit, I agree with them. Uh-huh. But it, it, it turned out to be Mickey James. So... You're yeah. saying that you, so you're saying that you have no interest in TNA right now because you're busy doing your music movies and being all around fabulous. <laughs> Thank you very much. Um, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that right now it's not in the cards for me. I'm, I'm busy doing other things, and I want to try out those things. And I don't want to be – I, I don't want to get older when I have kids and grandkids down the road and think to myself, I wish I would have tried this. So I'm trying every single thing that I really enjoy right now, and then maybe if I decide that it's it's still wrestling, I'll end up back there. So who knows? Who knows what what's going to happen? If there are things out there that you want to try, you want to do, I mean, yeah, go for it. I mean, nothing's holding you back. So, you know, wrestling is always something that you will obviously have no problem getting back into, whether it's the WWE, whether it's TNA. I mean, you've got a credible name out there. People love you. I've got a chat room full of people that are smitten with you right now. So no matter what you do from this point on, whether you're in movies, music, you have a fan base. And so, yeah, I, I encourage that. I mean, go out there and live your dreams. I think Crelly had a couple more questions. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I've got two more questions via the emails. Um, 
First one was, do you have an email address where fans can send you fan mail? There's an email address off my website. My website is mariacanellas.net, and they can um, they can send stuff to that uh, to that email address. And the last one was, uh, where can where can fans buy an buy an autograph from you? There isn't a place yet, actually, but I'm doing some signings coming up here, and then I plan on doing a store off of my website, which I planned on doing for a while, but the guy that was originally supposed to do it didn't do a very good job. So um, we will see about that, but eventually I'll put a store up and everything, and I'm probably also going to sell some of the last bits of wrestling gear that I have. But, um, yeah, I mean, the best place right now is go to a signing. Got a couple quotes from the chat room that I want to read you. Uh, TM Bronx says, "JJ, tell her she stole our hearts tonight." Oh, tell him I said thank you. Well, you just did, and I've also got uh, one from Rigo Forty Four, uh, wanting to ask: Are you possibly going to attend WrestleMania this year? I'm thinking about it, but we'll see. I um, I, I I'm. I miss those events, so I might try and go to WrestleMania. I'm not exactly sure how yet, but I might try and go this year. I suggest that you ask Dolph Ziggler, because right now he's he's kind of stuck <laughs> with Ricky Guerrero, and in my opinion, he's gone from Maria to Ricky Guerrero, kind of a downgradement, so... And so that guy is kind of owes you one. It was so funny when he texted me about that. He's like, I found someone better. (laughs) Really? (laughs) Oh, it's so funny. You know, I I absolutely love the back and forth between between Dolph and Vicky. You know, the fact that uh, John Cena just tore into her a couple weeks ago on Raw. And, you know, he's like, stop it. She's a saint. She's the most beautiful woman in the world. And, you know, I, I think that, like I said, not only is his athletic ability in the ring, uh, but his charisma and, and the way he does things, I mean, he's just, he's gold. And I, I think that guy is, is going to be a major star. Oh, yeah. I have one last question from the chat room. Uh, what was it like to perform at WrestleMania 24, I believe, and meeting Snoop Dogg? Um. Making out with Snoop Dogg, I think I was a little high after, <laughs> but it was all good. Um, <laughs> but it was actually a really cool experience. Every time I see him on television, I always point him out. I made out with him. <laughs> it's just kind of one of those funny things. Um, my favorite WrestleMania, though, was definitely when the lights went out, um, when it was me and Ashley against uh, Molina and Beth. That WrestleMania was crazy. I remember being in the ring and me and Beth going, oh, my God, I hope it's not because we suck. But <laughs> it was just a technical thing. But it was it was a really cool experience. So let, let me get this straight. Are, are you saying that you have to remind Snoop Dogg that you made out with him? Boy, he must have really been high. No. <laughs> Every time I see him on TV, I always tell the people, like, either my boyfriend or or my family or whoever, I made out with him. Just saying, I made out with him. Oh, that's that's awesome. <laughs> I just think it's funny. Oh, that's good stuff. 
Well, Maria, before we let you go, is there anything else you uh, you want to plug? I mean, obviously, the album is on iTunes. We're going to play Fantasy for you guys before we wrap the show tonight. Uh, Twitter, Maria L. Canales. Uh-huh. Is, is there anything else you want uh, to kind of pimp out there? there? There's only, I just want to say thank you to everybody. Everybody's kind of just uh, came along with me on this crazy wild ride after WWE. And never say never. I mean, who knows where I'll end up. But I always want to thank the WWE fans because they're my beginning. They're my start. They're the ones that have been with me since, you know, I was I was just a data search girl. So thank you to everybody. And thank you guys for having me on the show. It was our pleasure. And thanks for coming on. And anything we can do in the future, if you need anything promoted, feel free to let us know and we'll definitely get that out there for you. Oh, thank you so much. What's up, all you stars and stars? This is Maria, and you are listening to the SNS Network. Now, see, ladies and gentlemen, that was one take. That is a true pro right there. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Have a good night. All right, Maria. Bye-bye. We'll talk to you real soon. Bye-bye. Bye. Oh, that was a very good interview, Crowley. Great job, by the way. Yeah, I uh, I always thought it should be a fun interview, and... You know what? That she is actually, um, despite her character on TV, she is a smart girl. So I, I think, as I say, for her, the future is definitely bright within the world of wrestling and film and media in general. Yeah, I, I don't think she's through uh, with anything about long shot. I mean, whether it's movies or music, or whether she goes back to wrestling, I, I don't think this is the last time you're going to see Maria. So, uh, uh, man. What a, what a great interview, and, and thank you for booking that, and, uh, you know, you did a fantastic job. Um, uh, you know, it's, it's part of what I would do around here. If not, Trey will fire me on the spot, so I have to do something around here. <laughs> and, and, and I have to say, I, I'm, I'm kind of smitten just like the chat room. She, was, she, she stole my heart tonight. Maria is a class act. She's like, she, she's, she seems like one of these girls who literally play, like, plays her character on, like, her, sorry, she plays her real-life personality on TV. She seems like this like down to earth girl. So, like I say, she's working back. She's working back anytime she wants to. Come, come on, on, on unplugged, or any show here on the SNS Radio Network. <laughs> uh, Jersey Viper says Harmony's going to whoop your ass if she hears that. JJ, she's not going to hear it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, on that note, Crelly. Uh, so there's there's no more news. That was pretty much it. Uh, yeah, I closed the article. So yes, that's. Apart, there was something about win-loss ratios. Uh, Daniel Bryan was 5-0 and for last year's pay-per-views in, uh, in WWE. So he held the best record. <laughs> you know, I was thinking about this. We were talking right before Maria called in uh, about the John Cena-Randy Orton pay-per-view thing for titles and yeah. stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if you go back and you look at last year's Royal Rumble... Do you remember what the WWE Championship match was? Last year. Last year. If you don't, I mean, I can refresh your memory. No, I don't. What was it? Believe it or not, it was Sheamus defending against Randy Orton. So we've got two back-to-back Royal Rumbles, 2010, now 2011, where Randy Orton is... Challenging for the belt once again. I just find that interesting. Yeah, I, I think as I said before, right now they 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 are kind of in this this whole youth movement 
push. And we got guys like Seamus, like John Morrison is kind of breaking the uh, the cusp a bit. But this whole youth movement, I don't think we'll see the full effect in, until probably next year. When like, because guys like Jomo, The Miz, whilst they are stars, they're not main event stars who can, who can basically hold down a pay-per-view. So I, th- I think given time, guys like Randy Orton and that lot will kind of step down from the main event a bit like, uh, like uh, Trevace did. Well, and you've got a point, but, you know, when I look at the Royal Rumble this year, you know, I mean, I, I was a little kind of weirded out that they went from having that WWE Championship match to start things off on Raw with The Miz and John Morrison. Morrison no sooner loses, and then, oh, well, we're having a triple threat for the, you know, number one contendership for the WWE Championship. And I was like, well, then why did you have this match? Now, I thought the match was good, and I thought the story involved was that Morrison really cost himself the title when you think about it. I wasn't a big fan of, say, when Morrison went through the table, Miz pinned him, and he kicked out. I thought that should have been it right there. He should have had the win after, you know, uh, Morrison did the, um, what's the move? Starship Pain. Starship Pain, thank you. After he did the Starship Pain through the table, I thought that Miz should have been able to pin him right there, but he kicked out. So then, you know, to, I guess, alleviate the point more, he hits the, you know, skull-crushing finale, and Morrison, you got to give him credit, took one hell of a bump. With that, pin for the one, two, three, clean victory. I just thought from a storyline standpoint, it would have made much more sense to have him get pinned after the table spot. Um, but then to go from that to, well, we're about to find a new number one contender. I, I was, I, I thought, what? You just had this match. It didn't make any sense to me. Um, now when I think about it and I look back on Raw and I've caught the replay a couple times. I almost feel, when you look at this Royal Rumble, the Royal Rumble match itself, the field is really wide open this year. Yeah, because there is no definite stars. like Because the, the, all the quote-unquote big stars are involved in the main event. And yes. there are quite a few young like young stars, like, for example, Alberto DeVio. You've got guys like, I don't know, just Chuck Daniel Bryan. You got guys like the, right now, the, like the, the whole field of WWE is wide open. As you say, anyone can win it. Well, and, and, and see that—that's the thing. It is wide open when you think about it. The only veterans that I think they're going to be in the Rumble, obviously, Kane will be in it. I'm sure Big Show will have uh, will have a role in it. You know, Sheamus is going to be a part of the Rumble, and, and I think Sheamus is probably going to be that guy this year in the Rumble. You know, that has that record like a Diesel or a Kane where he takes out, you know, uh, seven, eight, nine people. And then when he does that, I think Triple H is going to return as a surprise entrant. And they're going to go at it. He's probably going to be the one to eliminate Sheamus. But I honestly feel like with what we saw between Miz and Morrison, that, you know, even Josh Matthews was making the point that Morrison was driven by the success of The Miz. Knowing that he cost himself that match, I want to see Morrison go out there, whether he starts at 1, 2, 10, 
20. It doesn't matter what number he gets. I would prefer to see him start on the lower end and the story be about Morrison's drive to win the Rumble. Oh, I was just reading the uh, the figure for weekly newsletter, and WWE creative right now apparently um, can't make up their mind. They can't, they can't decide if they want it as automated uh, versus the Miz, automated Miz versus Sheamus versus Morrison. So we could have a triple, uh, sorry, a four way dance at the Rumble. See, I think that's stupid. I think you go ahead and you have the Royal Rumble match, or excuse me, you have the title match for the WWE Championship, and you leave it Miz and Orton. Miz finds some way to retain the belt through some screw job, whether it's Alex Riley or or whatever. And I think when you talk about having a wide open Royal Rumble, and you talk about someone needing that push, someone needing to win that to be a star, Morrison is your top candidate. Because if you look back in the history of the Rumble, for the longest time, well, I wouldn't say for the longest time, but there were a few times when guys that were mid-card talent that were ready to go to that main event level one. Shawn Michaels won at 95 for the first time. Did he win at WrestleMania? No, he did not. But there is a parallel that you people need to think about. I'm not being racist when I say you people. I'm not Trey. But there is a parallel. Shawn Michaels and Diesel in 1995, 1994, 95, were friends and enemies at any given point. Michaels wins the Rumble. He faces Diesel in the title match at WrestleMania 11. He didn't win, but the next year he won the next Rumble, and at the 96 WrestleMania, WrestleMania 12, he did become the champion. Now, I'm not saying Morrison's going to win at WrestleMania, but I honestly think that it would be smart to elevate him to that level. Because let's face it, I don't want to see Sheamus win it. You've already made him king of the ring. You've made him a two-time WWE champion. Does he need a Royal Rumble win? No, he does not. I don't want to see someone who's won it before, like a Triple H. I think if I just say that uh, Hunter and um, Sheamus will, will probably end up taking him out. So those are two guys you can probably rub out and have the, the guys will be at WrestleMania. And, and to further my point, because I really think they're setting this up for Morrison to win. To further that point, you got WrestleMania 27. The night after, on Mo- right, right after Monday Night Raw, what are they going to do? You've got yeah. Tough Enough making a return. The first episode of Tough Enough comes back that Monday night following Raw. So if you're going to bring back this show, you want as much exposure and as much publicity behind what you're doing to put that product over. What better way, and tell me, what better way do you do that than to have the WWE Championship match at WrestleMania consist of two guys who came through the Tough Enough system? John Morrison won Season 3 along with Matt Capitelli, and The Miz was a finalist on the Million Dollar Tough Enough. To me, that would be the exclamation point on Tough Enough is back. Hey, look, at WrestleMania last night, we had two guys from Tough Enough competing for the WWE Championship. That's promotion, people, and that's how it works. You know, uh, and that actually makes perfect sense. Because because then you have, like, uh, Miz go, I came through Tough Enough, and I'm now champion. 
what can you do? So it kind of lays down a gauntlet and puts a carrot in front of the people's eyes and it kind of gives the, uh, the fans a reason to care. Because if you look at, if you, if you look at NXT, apart from Daniel Bryan, what has, a, what have the winners of, of NXT done? We had Caitlin who's doing nothing on SmackDown. We've got Barrett who's moved to SmackDown. Cavall was released. And Daniel Bryan's the, the US champion. That doesn't really show any success. Uh, tough enough, uh, as we said, uh, and, and like, tough enough, and, and also the, uh, Diva search. They have actually shown results. So I, I, I think you make perfect sense. By, by having two former tough enough guys at WrestleMania wrestling for the title, puts over the product, and puts over the, the, the credibility of the product. Cause, I mean, think about it. You don't need Cena versus The Miz right now. Honestly, you don't. I mean, you don't need to put that title back on a guy like John Cena. You know, you can continue this CM Punk John Cena uh, storyline throughout. Do I think they're going to have a match to Rumble? I, you know, probably not. I, I would say that they're both in the Rumble match itself, right? And then you have the altercation happen. I would also say that when Miz squeaks by with the championship going into Elimination Chamber, that you have your guys like Triple H and, say, Sheamus, John Cena, CM Punk, and The Miz all in this Elimination Chamber match. I don't know what you do with Morrison at that point if he's the number one contender for WrestleMania and is going to go on to take on uh, The Miz at WrestleMania. I'm sure we could find some match for him or some role for him at the Elimination Chamber pay-per-view. But what I'm saying is you've got all these contenders that don't really need to be involved in that main event title scene. It just makes perfect sense from a standpoint to do that. It's not like they've never hot-shotted an angle to build something. The whole reason that Rey Mysterio was a world heavyweight champion was because Eddie Guerrero passed away and they wanted to capitalize on the fact that he was his best friend. And you could claim that they, that, that they did hotshot the whole Nexus angle with Cena by, ha- by having that last, what, three weeks? Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, most people were like, well, you know, John Morrison's not ready for the main event at WrestleMania. Well, just because he's in the WWE Championship match doesn't mean it's going to be the main event. I'm sure that Cena and Punk or Undertaker and Barrett, if that match happens, are going to be the, the, one of the, one of the main events for that show. I mean, I just, what do they have to lose? They're in a rebuilding phase. When you think about it, what do they have to lose? 95 was main evented, not by Shawn Michaels and Diesel, the two friends, better enemies. It was main evented by Bam Bam Bigelow and Lawrence Taylor. Yeah, I think, as you say, right now, if they, if everyone set to waters with superstars, right now's the time to do it. Because we've had guys like, uh, Jack Swagger, who, who won the world title due to Money in the Bank. And that, when it, that first one was a test. And unfortunately, he didn't pass it. Or, he, he's okay, but he wouldn't a world, he wouldn't a great world champion. So, I think, as you say, right now's a great time to test world champions. I think it's quite important that Christian's injured. Because I think Christian, and this time of this time, where they're looking for new stars, he Christian could be Hubeng could be a massive singles competitor if uh, if right now he was uh, fully fit. Well, you know, I would love to see you know with Edge being the champion, I'd love to see a, a scenario come up where he goes back to SmackDown. Um, but then again, I actually like Christian as as a babyface. I mean, he's a great heel, but I kind of like him as the babyface he is right now. You'd have to turn Edge heel, but I would love to see a world championship match somewhere down the road between those two for the title. I think that that would be uh, a big plus.
for the wrestling fans. But I mean, you know, it's just my two cents. I, I think this is the direction that they're going to go in. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm just, you know, maybe I'm smoking something. I don't know. But to me, it almost sets up with the way that they just kind of hot-shotted Miz and Morrison to be like, okay, well, now we're going to find a contender. It almost sounds feasible that John Morrison should be the guy to go over. You need a face to do it. You don't need someone who's done it before. And if you're looking to build new main event stars, you've already got an established guy in the Miz going into WrestleMania the champ. I mean, they put the belt on him. They they established him. Miz is so over as the heel champion right now. It's not even funny. People hate his guts. He has done his job. But when you look at the people that are behind John Morrison, and I'm not talking about the naysayers that think he sucks and can't cut a promo to save his life and thinks he has no business wrestling because he's the shaman of setup. I'm not talking about those idiots who've never stepped in a ring and know anything about professional wrestling. For a guy who's been with the company eight years, never been fired, he must be doing something right. But the the crowd is behind him, and I think you test it. You see where it goes. I mean, you gave Swagger a run. It didn't work out for Swagger. See where it goes. I just think that the story between Miz and Morrison being former best friends, former tag team partners, has so much potential. I mean, there's so much legs on that on that feud. It can go as that, long as you want. I think that plus we got, I mean, I spent down we got Dove Ziggler now in line for number uh, the world title. We could possibly see kind of an, like a, the forging of a new era of champions because back in like back in the eighties when when like the world title meant everything, like guys like Dove Ziggler wouldn't be anywhere near it. But by having but by having the belt on guys that who aren't quote unquote megastars like the Miz and I'm I'm calling it now that Ziggler uh, will defeat Edge at some point to become world champion. That brings the belt down a prestige, and while that may be a bad thing, it, it allows more contenders for the belt. Because if it if it stays on the same level, we will see the same main event over and over again. Just like a fact now, how many times have we seen Kane Edge, Kane Mysterio, Kane Taker, Taker Edge, Taker Mysterio? Exactly. So, like, go ahead. Sorry. Okay. I was gonna say and. Like now more than ever, the belt's not worth anything. So you you might as well just move the belt down like a prestige and just give it to a mid card guy who can test it. Like guys like Dolph Ziggler, I think Ziggler will make a great world champion. And we've seen him evolve from the Spirit Squad to this this guy who's unfortunately lost his his fantastic girlfriend Maria and is now dating Ricky Guerrero. But a different story. So I think Ziggler will be a fantastic world champion, and who knows, he might be able to step up to the next level of a superstar within WWE. Well, I think the storyline for Ziggler is great, considering the fact that he's with Vicky Guerrero, Edge's ex-wife, storyline-wise. The reason Edge was, you know, uh, a world champion several occasions was because of Vicky Guerrero. So I think the storyline already builds itself. But even with, with Jomo Miz, you don't have to put that belt on Jomo at WrestleMania. I think it almost works better to have the Miz find some way to retain for a little while and you have John Morrison, the hot babyface, chasing that title. And then when he finally does win it, it's, say, Extreme Rules or Money in the Bank or whatever pay-per-view, SummerSlam, then it's a big deal for him. It's not a WrestleMania moment, but the successful formula has always been you have a hot babyface chasing a heel, and when he finally does get that, that, you know, that title belt, it's a big deal. You know, John Cena, to me, was always better chasing a title than being the champion. My opinion, 
I mean, he's a good champion too, but I just prefer him chasing rather than holding. Sting was the same way. Sting was so good at chasing, whether it was Ric Flair or Hulk Hogan or Lex Luger. He was always good at chasing for a title. And well, that, that's what made the fans fall in love with Jeff Hardy. The fact that he, they kept chasing and chasing and chasing and chasing and chasing and chasing, losing, losing, losing. When he finally got it, the fans went batshit crazy and put him over as the biggest baby face in pro wrestling. So it it depends on the booking. Like it, it all depends on how it's booked that uh, Ziggler chases t- uh, t- uh, t- t- the title. And as a fan, it'd be quite fun to see um, how how this works out because I think, like, like, like I say, Ziggler can be a main star. I remember back to his debut on Raw when he was going, "Hi, I'm Dolph Ziggler," and we've seen him evolve. And you know what? We actually have to we actually have to do have to credit. Um, we have to credit Maria a lot for that. She actually, she made his, she, in my opinion, made his character what it is today. Minus the heel, the heel heat that, that, um, that Mickey, that Mickey was in. We've seen him develop from the Spirit Squad to High Arms to someone who now puts on fantastic matches. Like his, his match earlier with, with Kofi Kingston was a fantastic match. This is a bit spotty, but I enjoyed it. And I do believe that he will bring a new, uh, Kind of a new style to the world top picture, and replace guys like Kane, Edge, Undertaker as the guys that the fans go and pay to see. Because I do believe, given time, he could be a, a, a megastar for the WWE. And, and I would agree with that. I mean, the, the time of seeing you know guys like you know the Big Show and Kane, the Undertaker, the Giants in professional wrestling. You know, the time of that has really passed. It's not the 80s anymore. You don't have to have the big steroided guys to really do something. Um, you know, I mean, th- there's so many talented individuals out there, you know, like Dolph Ziggler. And you're right. We have seen uh, quite the evolution of the character of Dolph Ziggler going back to when he was a member of, you know, he was just Nikki from the Spirit Squad. Going from that role to being Nick Nemeth, the bodyguard of Kerwin White. Uh, I mean, he's done a lot of things. You know, the Dolph Ziggler character that you, you alluded to from, you know, the get-go where he was walking around and, uh, we thought he was like, uh, some kind of autistic guy walking around. I'm Dolph Ziggler, you know, telling him, telling you know, everybody his name 20 times a show. Uh, you know, to one of the most athletically gifted superstars on, on the roster. And, you know, I, like, I told Maria several times tonight, I think that guy has got, you know, main event push all over him, and I think he's going to be a big star. And he's going to be a good heel for the company, and one day he'll be a great babyface for the company. I mean, go ahead. I was going to say, if if he wins the world title, don't you think that gives back some more credibility to the Intercontinental title? Saying if you hold the title for if if you hold the IC belt for long enough, you are you're actually in line for a world title picture. I, I, I would like that. I would like to see it go back to the day when you were the Intercontinental Champion, you were the automatic number one contender to the championship. When you're an Intercontinental Champion, you're being groomed for that next level to be the World Champion or the WWE Champion. And it needs to be that way. You know, uh, we haven't seen that in a long time. I would love to see the Intercontinental Championship defended at WrestleMania along with the U.S. title if they're going to keep those titles around. They're not going to unify them. But I think that some, you know, and I know it's a prop, 
but I think that some level of you know prestige needs to be it needs to be brought back to the belt. You know, it needs to seem like it's an important prop in the business, not just something that you pass to somebody. And be like, here we have nothing for you, but let's go let's go ahead and put the title on you for a little bit and see what happens. I mean, that's the thing that that kind of bothers me with professional wrestling these days. You know, maybe I'm just an old school stickler, but I miss the you know the the late '80s, the early '90s, when those belts actually had people that were athletic, that were physically gifted, that had the gift for gab. Guys like Mister Perfect, uh, guys like Shawn Michaels. Bret Hart was never exactly what I would consider uh, gifted vocally, but you know, one of the best in the ring. But you go back and you look at that. Uh, 1992, SummerSlam, Wembley Stadium. What main evented the show? It wasn't the WWE Championship. It wasn't Savage and Warrior. It was Bret the Hitman Hart and Davey Boy Smith for the Intercontinental Championship. And I think that those belts need to mean something again. And again, I know they're a prop. So if you're sitting there rolling your eyes, oh, my God, he's a fucking title mark. No. Let's be realistic for a moment. Your goal in professional wrestling is to be the world champion, is to be a champion. I know it's a prop, mm-hmm. and you put a belt on somebody to elevate them. But again, but I think, I think, it, I think it's to say since Ziggler has get, has got that belt, the fans have become more, more interested in the belt. Like, did you really care when when Kathy held it? Not really. So Ziggler, in my opinion, and this is just mine, he has given that belt more prestige and more reason for me to care because normally I would skip most of the match for the Internet Hole because like now, now I got it online. But I spent the whole, what, when it's like 10-minute match day that they had on Twitter watching it because, in my opinion, Ziggler has given prestige back to the title. And I think he, in, in, in time, and, and I think within a year, he, he will be the world, a world champion on probably right now because he has the potential. He, he has the gimmick. He has the heat magnet called Ricky Guerrero on, on his arm. So it's very possible, in my opinion, that he will be a world champion within a year. And we'll see where that goes. Um, but with that said, we are, uh, we are long overdue for our first commercial break. Our only commercial break, actually. So is there anything you want to pimp out or anything before we, uh, we hit that first um, break? From Headlock, from dot com, the official newscast of the Sunday Night Showdown Network and Unplugged. Uh, over on Twitter, I am FHTH Crelly. Um, that's it to be honest. Um, yeah, so I'm going to return to the chat room and I'll speak to you all next week. You know, it's funny. When you say, you know, uh, FTH Crelly, I'm always thinking, you know, that sounds like the name of a ship. Like I should have a model with a battleship. With that <laughs> insignia on there, the <laughs> FATH credit. Yes, I, you should do that. We should get a battleship and do that. That'd be awesome. Okay, okay. I I will find a ship okay, and I'll paint it and I'll post it on Twitter and with it saying FATH credit on it. How how about that? And then we'll sla- and then we'll slap it with Matt Hardy's penis and send it on its way. Okay. And then I will post a picture <laughs> of me with Gobbles because Gobbles is real. Damn it. All right, Crelly. I will, uh, I'll talk to you soon, buddy. Okay. Peace. All right, guys. With that said, we're going to take our commercial break of the night. Come back, talk a little bit of gaming news. Turns out that they released the patch for SmackDown versus Raw 2011. Can you believe it? More on that on the other side of this. We'll be right back on the SNS Radio Network.
amigos, ¿qué pasa? My name is Armando Alejandro Estrada. And you're listening to the SNS Radio Network. Ha-ha. Voices in my head, they counsel me, they understand, they talk to me. Since 1996, Audio Wrestling has been getting in the ring as your definitive source for all your wrestling desires. Interviews with some of pro wrestling's biggest stars. Providing you with a wide selection of award-winning wrestling shows from past and present. Such as Ministry of Slam, Monday Night Mayhem, In Your Head, WrestleCast, Sunday Night Showdown, Wrestling News Live, Between the Ropes, RVD Radio, WrestleCast, and Wrestle Talk Radio, and many others. If you can't get enough Mad Mania, climb into the ring with Audio Wrestling, www.audiowrestling.com, and check out all the real voices of wrestling radio. Audio Wrestling, keeping you tuned in since 1996. The Blueprint, Matt Morgan. If you're not trying to be the world champion, quit. You shouldn't be doing this. Mr. Anderson. I will be the next TNA World Heavyweight Champion. The number one contenders match for the TNA World Heavyweight Championship. Now comes the next part. That's finally putting that strap around this waist. Who will earn a shot at the Antichrist of professional wrestling? Jeff Hardy. TNA Wrestling presents Genesis live January 9th only on pay-per-view. It's time. It's time to stop the name-calling. The hurt. The bullying. Because of race, creed, color, sexual orientation. It's time to treat everyone like you want to be treated. It's time. It's time. It's time to eliminate. Eliminate. Eliminate the hate. Eliminate the hate. Eliminate the hate. Hey guys, did you know Wrestling News Live is on Monday nights? Well, if you've been hiding under a rock, Monday nights at 11.30 Eastern, 9.30 Mountain Standard Time, The Trey Dog and JJ Sexay go over Raw, all the news of the week in professional wrestling. Make sure you tune in and stay tuned to the SNS Radio Network for all the great programs. Hey guys, it's me, Mr. Money on the Mic, J.J. Sexay of Sunday Night Showdown. If you're looking for the latest wrestling news on the World Wide Web, you should check out www.fromheadlockstoheadlines.com. It's the official news source for Sunday Night Showdown, and you should make it your official news source as well. Once again, that's www.fromheadlockstoheadlines.com. 
I will main event WrestleMania. I will main event WrestleMania. WrestleMania. Because I will win the Royal Rumble. The Royal Rumble. I will win the Royal Rumble. 30 superstars. One winner. One opportunity. Championship match at WrestleMania. The Royal Rumble. 29 are going over. 29 are going over. I. I. And going on. WWE Royal Rumble. Live Sunday, January 30th, only on pay-per-view. Hey, this is Olympic gold medalist Kurt Angle from TNA. And you're listening on the SNS Radio Network. Oh, it's real. It's damn real. We're back right here on Unplugged, the SNS Radio Network. Of course, I am Mr. Money on the Mic, JJ Sexay. And as I alluded to earlier, there is some SmackDown versus Raw 2011 news that we need to get to. Uh, before I do that, actually, Crelly, are you still on the line? Because uh, you and I were talking in the break. There is something you need to come back and pimp out real quick. Yes, I need, we need to plug. Next week, myself and JJ will be joined by former Crime Time member Shag Gaspar for a live interview. So be back here next time, next Friday, 10.30 Eastern, following the shutdown, as myself and JJ will be picking the mind of Shag Gaspar. Brooklyn, Brooklyn, they're bringing the hood to you. So what you going to do? We're going to have Shag next week. Looking forward to it. On that note, I will definitely be gone now. All right, (laughs) Crowley. All right, we'll talk to you soon, buddy. Um, on that note, I want to transition. I do believe I have someone on the line with me. Um, the former co-host for the gaming segment right here on Unplugged. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the program, the sensational Sean. What's going on tonight? How's it going, man? It's uh, myself. It's going pretty good. I just got home a little bit ago from my work, so I'm kind of winding down from a really long day. How's it going for you, brother? Going pretty good. Uh, just had an awesome interview with uh, with Maria, former WWE diva. Yeah, I, I I got home about halfway through it, and it sounded really good. Uh, c- good job on that from me to uh, you and Chris Kelly. Y'all did a great job on that. Yeah, big props to Crelly for for doing all the booking of the interviews here lately. And uh, you know what? I've been hanging back on the interviews and letting him carry a lot of it because I'm trying to get him experienced. And doing the interviews, and I think that he gets better each and every week. So big props to Crelly. Yeah, he's definitely bringing the heat, as uh, as they say. I mean, he's doing a great job, and I definitely want to thank him for getting all these interviews to uh, unplug to Wrestling News Live, to basically to the SNS network itself. So really, thanks a lot, man. So you you had something that you wanted to talk to me about. This was uh, you've been just dying to talk about this. So I'm just going to kind of step back and let you have the floor. 
Well, let's hold off till the end of the show for that because okay. I kind of want to keep things positive for now, and we'll let the negative stuff go to the end. No, so, that, that, that's a good idea. Yeah, so let's stay positive for now. Um, I definitely want to hear about this patch. I haven't heard anything about it yet. So, well, I did notice I started playing SmackDown versus Raw, uh, 2011. I guess the last couple of days I've been kind of messing around with it. Uh, of course, before that I was playing some Mass Effect 2, which I'm really digging. We'll talk about that a little later on in the program. Um, but Marcus Stevenson, I, I noticed when I went and, and, uh, turned on the game about a day ago that there was a update for the game. It was like a two megabyte update. And I'm like, okay. So I downloaded it. Well, Marcus Stevenson had posted on Twitter, uh, what the patch entails. And these are the fixes for the SmackDown versus Raw 2011. We have significant improvements on, to connection issues experienced during online Royal Rumble matches. Uh, it fixed a crash associated with client's game during online Royal Rumble matches with eight or more players when two or more players get disconnected. It also fixes a crash when players attempt to join a match past the fifth session in a custom match search. This is now fixed. Fixed a crash associated with entering a match after a game simulation. Fixed a bug with the paint tool logo allowing players to open up a smart menu in the background of the loading screen. Fixed multiple bugs with Road to WrestleMania for Christian and Rey Mysterio, which were preventing forward progress in certain instances. The correct superstar's name will now display for spoken dialogue text when replacing a cast member with a CAS in a sample story or when editing a downloaded story in Story Designer. They also fixed a freeze associated with Irish whipping a player into a chair when a reverse grapple by the second player occurs. These are basically what were fixed in the patch. Wow. That's a lot of stuff. Well, it's a lot of online stuff. And I know there's a lot of people out there that were hoping for transparency fixes. uh, A lot of stuff that was not addressed to be patched. But this is what's been patched, so it is what it is. Yeah, it's definitely a lot of um, online stuff. And I guess a lot of people are being online. So, I mean, it's a good thing because... I jumped online the other day and there was, uh, there was a large amount of wrestlers or wrestling fans playing and I definitely didn't want to play because a lot of the times most of them just do, do the Irish whip into the corner, hit you up, pick you up, Irish whip, Irish whip. After a while it gets boring, but, uh, it's definitely good that they're, they're, they're fixing stuff because I don't remember a lot of patches last year. So, um, also for those of you not in the know, Apparently, it looks like the 21st of this month, the much highly anticipated DLC pack number three, which consists of the WCW Nitro Arena. If you haven't seen the arena, it is picture-perfect 1996-97 Nitro Arena. So it's not just, you know, a visual on the Titantron. It's an actual arena with the WCW letters um, that is going to be made available on the 21st of January. So we've got just a couple of weeks before that releases, but it also has an alternate attire for John Cena, his never give up purple and gold attire, uh, a masked attire for CM Punk. I believe there's an attire, uh, for Seamus as well, his Laoch tights that he wears. Um, so, and I believe also there is a, if I'm not mistaken, there's a stat thing where you can 
basically mess with anybody's stats in the game. If you want John Cena to have a 35 overall, you're able to do that. But the rumor is right now that that's going to be releasing on January 21st. Um, Facebook had already had an ad on it. They did this with the last DLC pack, uh, and it was accurate. So all indications point to the fact that it is going to be released in the next few weeks. Also, as Maverick is reminding me, the American Badass Undertaker. So that's an alternate attire as well. Well, we got to throw it out to Randy. He was the first one who got it out. But Maverick did did jump on that, and so did Corelli. So uh, definitely thanks for the update, guys. I can't wait to see the WCW Arena. It is going to be absolutely awesome. I've seen the pictures. I've seen everything about it. And I just really want to play in it now. It's really kind of gnawing at me. It's like I, I haven't seen a WCW Arena look so good. In such a long time. Well, I mean, you know, the the best part about it is you've got the WCW faction that you can put together when you make a character. So if you want to go online to Community Creations, which is just completely badass, by the way, and get your old WCW characters and bring them into the game, you can do that. And, and I, I think that's fantastic. With Story Editor, you can actually go in and relive some of your classic moments from WCW or Fantasy Book, uh, what you wanted to do with WCW. So... So many things that you can do with this DLC that's going to make that game that much more playable. So, uh, you know, kudos to THQ for putting out the third and final DLC pack. Uh, there, there's been reports they were interested in maybe doing a fourth, but, you know, I don't know. With, with the, le- with uh, not Legends of WrestleMania, with WWE All-Stars, we're expecting to hear some news on that this month. That's going to be dropping in March, uh, to correlate with WrestleMania or April. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see if they're going to be working on putting out another DLC pack. I wouldn't look forward. I wouldn't look for it, but you know, right now it looks like we've got three DLC packs and, uh, you know, so far they've, they've added some really good content to SmackDown versus Raw this year. So there you go. They have. And I, I mean, it's, it's one of those things you can hope for in a fourth, uh, DLC pack. I mean, it'd be awesome to get one. And possibly add some new wrestlers in there. I mean, and they're not going to do it, but I'm really hoping for Daniel Bryan. But I'm going to have to go download one from the created superstars. Unfortunately, there there is a really good one, and I can't remember who made it. But if you look Daniel Bryan up, it's the one that's got the most downloads. I actually downloaded that um, probably about a month ago, and it's probably one of the most accurate Daniel Bryans you'll find. I actually went and downloaded an Alex Riley this past week because. I'm thinking about doing a storyline with uh, Miz and Morrison, and of course I need Alex Riley to kind of complete the trifecta there. But uh, you know what? I, I'm really enjoying the game. I haven't played it a lot. I've been really busy with a lot of stuff, which is one reason I haven't been doing a lot of EFED stuff, which is something that I'm still trying to figure out how I want to do. But we'll talk about that more later. Um, I did see... And I did download some of these. There was a video on IGN that was showcasing, uh, for all you Street Fighter fans out there, <laughs> there is a Street Fighter. This guy has made like 20 different characters from the Street Fighter games. And I'm talking picture perfect. Zangief, uh, E. Honda. And I mean, this guy has literally, I guess he's painted the textures himself and, you know, made like in, in the, in the paint logo design. So, I've downloaded several of these, and he has a video on YouTube, I believe, if you look it up. Street Fighter, you know, K. I can't think of his name offhand. But 
he literally has about a nine minute video where he like has moves and stuff like you know bison has the the mule stomp um just all kinds of really cool shit that that i was like wow i cannot believe you integrate you integrated like street fighter type moves into the into the game and it just it looks really good so if you're a fan of the street fighter series definitely go check those out on xbox live uh because they are kick ass yeah i got i saw that on ign and it's really cool that ign is actually coming out and, and looking at wrestling games again even though it's inter- integrating uh, one of the biggest fighting games of all time into a uh, wrestling game. I mean, it's really cool that IGN picked up on that story and ran with it. Uh, I'm really surprised that somebody did that, and it looks, like you said, they look amazing. So I'm really looking forward to uh, downloading some of those when I get the chance. You know, and I'm pretty good at making my own characters, but my Zangief looked like Ted the Homeless Guy that just got a radio job. Compared to this guy Zangief, I mean, I swear to God, this guy—I uh, think it's Jim something. He put together uh, just picture perfect Street Fighter Four likenesses, you know. And like I said, I, I'm a damn good you know call maker myself, but this guy put me to shame. So definitely check those out. I'm waiting on somebody to do Hagar from uh, Final Fight. That's see, what I'm waiting on. See, I was looking for that so I could have Zangief and Hagar, you know, duke it out, but I haven't found one yet. Yes, Hagar and Zangief and a Hell in a Cell match. There is a god. But he did make one of the outfits for Zangief is Hagar's outfit. So he's got the green pants and the and the strap. So I would think that Hagar wouldn't be hard to make. You know, considering you can actually make a spinning 360 pile driver from the top turnbuckle, uh, I think it's brilliant. Oh, my Lord. Yeah, I'm, as soon as that's uploaded, you probably won't see me online for a couple of days. Because that would just be awesome. Now, I, I did have one bit of news. I don't know what you have, but, um, you know, I there are times in my life that, that I wish I would have been in the right place at the right time and would have had 50 bucks. Oh, yes. <laughs> Do you know why why I feel that way, Sean? If I had just been... Uh, I think I have an idea. If I had just been at Harmonix last, this past week... With $50 in my pocket, ladies and gentlemen, I could have bought Harmonix, the company itself, for 50 fucking dollars. Yes, the company that made Dance Central. Yeah. The company that's done what? Guitar Hero? Guitar Hero. Uh, damn. It was oh, sold. It was sold for $50. Yeah. I shit you not. See? Yeah. There's a right time and a right place for everybody. It reminds me of the time that I lived in Denver, Colorado back in 1991. And I was, I think it was about 15 back then. And my dad was perusing the classified ads. And upon perusing the automobile section, he comes across this ad where this woman is selling a Porsche. And what he thought was a mistake it was listed at 50 bucks. Well, it turns out that somebody else called the number that my dad knew. And he bought the Porsche for 50 bucks. Do you know how he bought the Porsche for 50 bucks? It's a great story, by the way. Apparently, this was a doctor and his wife were getting separated. And so to fuck with him, she took his Porsche 
and he was entitled to half of whatever she sold it for. So she sold his Porsche for fifty dollars. So he could have twenty five. You know, there was um <laughs> something like that that came up on uh Craigslist a few weeks ago. I was when I was looking for a new iPod. Uh a father was selling his daughter's iPod uh fourth generation, which just came out, and the new one, thirty two gigabyte, which is like about three hundred, four hundred dollars. He was selling it for fifteen bucks. And the reason why was his daughter was doing uh illegal illegal pictures and such on there and he caught her and he said, You know what, I'm selling this and whatever money I make of it, you can have a quarter of it. And quarter of fifteen bucks is three bucks or a little bit more than that. So it was pretty hilarious that my friend actually bought it and uh gave the guy fifteen bucks and he gave his daughter like four dollars and something. Wow. So it was it was kind of crazy. The lesson here, don't piss off your wife or girlfriend. Or father. Or father, yes. <laughs> but yeah, I, uh, now who actually bought Harmonix? Because I don't remember who bought it. Wasn't it Activision? Uh, I'm looking that up now. Um, Which is an evil company, by the way. Uh, you can't call them evil, but you can say that the people who run them are evil. See, you know... I don't know where Bobby Kotick lives, okay? But he obviously, you know, if he lived in Canada or if he lived somewhere up north where they have a harsh winter, you know, most people would go chop down trees and have wood. No, no, Bobby Kotick has a fucking section of just money that he just burns when it gets cold. Like, the dude bathes in $100 bills. True story. I mean, that company, give me a fucking break. The company who bought them is a company called All Things Digital. Ah, that's what it was. Um, they, they paid forty nine ninety nine for it, but they also have to acquire all of the uh, responsibility over the liabilities, which include music right fees, uh, the responsibility for lots of unsold games and equipment sitting on warehouse shelves. So the sale, which reportedly net Viacom $150 million in tax benefits, basically spent $175 million on the comp- to buy the company itself. So just from Viacom bu- selling it for $50, they pretty much gained close to $125 million um, just getting the rights and stuff fixed. See, I would have given them 60 bucks for it. I mean, they would have made more of a profit. If only <laughs> I was made aware. I really don't think you would have wanted it due to the fact that um, you had to deal with all the, the fee stuff. I mean, that, that would have sucked. All of that stuff is just probably the worst thing in the world to deal with. Music rights, warehouses. Oh. TM Bronx in the chat says, Bobby Kotex, the feminine hygiene guy? No, but he is a douche. Oh. Close enough. Oh, my. And you can quote so, me on that one. To get away from the douches, I want to hear about your uh, your experiences with two new games that I saw you playing on Xbox Live. One of them being Arkham Asylum, the other being Mass Effect 2. Uh, I beat Arkham Asylum. I had so much fun playing that game. I loved Arkham Asylum. Uh, you know what? I cannot wait for Arkham City. It's first day purchase for me. <laughs> 
good. I, you know what? I, I got Arkham Asylum for Christmas. You know, wife asking me what I wanted. Uh, I, I did get a nice big 32 inch TV HD, which is nice. Nice. And, uh, you know, I, I got, uh, you know, a game, Arkham Asylum. I, I've actually had Mass Effect 2 for about a month and a half and haven't opened it. But after I beat Arkham Asylum, I was like, you know what? Let's play some Mass Effect. And I'm just to the part now where I'm about to recruit Thane. I've got to find Thane and bring him aboard. But uh, I'm enjoying it so far. I, I went yeah. and visited the Normandy crash site, which is pretty epic. Yeah, it is. It's, uh, I shed a tear when I actually went there because it was kind of like they take you back and show you all the little um, flashbacks. And when you see a lot of the people, you're kind of like, wow. It sucks that they're dead. But uh, it's it's been fun. You know, I, I think it's uh, it's a bit more refined than Mass Effect 1. It's been a while since I played Mass Effect, but it handles a lot better than the first one, as I recall. It does, and it's it's a whole lot different due to the fact that you're actually using the uh, the thermal clips and you, you have a certain number of weapons you're, you're allowed... Um, Certain number of weapons that are really in the game. I mean, there's only really one, uh, like five assault rifles. There's only like four shotguns. There's about seven different special heavy weapons. I mean, it's really, it's really all that's in the game instead of a couple thousand different weapons, a couple thousand different types of ammo. I mean, it's really one of those things where less is better. I would agree. Um, I was going to ask you, when you played Arkham Asylum, what was the toughest boss battle that you had? Toughest boss, um, because I really didn't know what to do. Um, it had to be Bane. When I first started, I had no clue what I was supposed to do. And then second had to be the Croc, because, I mean, you're, you gotta, it's not really a boss battle. It's kind of running away, but it was definitely hard. Because you're trying to get away and you don't know exactly where he is at sometimes, and then he comes up out of nowhere and just grabs you. It's kind of funny, um, but Bane and Croc definitely. You know the one that actually got me more than any. I mean, I, I had, I think I, I I did Croc in the second time. I figured out what needed to be done. Um, Bane, I I came across pretty quick. I'm like, okay, I've got to find a way to get rid of the venom. So I figured that one out pretty quick. But the one that gave me the most problems was Poison Ivy. She, oh man, yeah, I, I remember that one now too. She was definitely a hardcore. Uh, I think I died about nine or twelve different times trying to just beat that one. And yeah, it, it ended up being a really, uh, that ended up being a hard one. If I would definitely actually rank that one second. Because running away from Croc, I kind of could get it, but yeah. Poison well, Ivy was crazy with the big the big plants and everything. Yeah, I mean, because she had vines and stuff that you get caught in. She would respawn characters to fight you. She'd be shooting shit with these big plants, and she had the shield over her where you had to wait till her shield was down and throw batarangs at her. So you had to avoid all this stuff. It took me about ten times to finally get past her, but that was the toughest boss battle. And mind you, I had it jacked up to the hardest difficulty. But... Yeah. She was a pain in the ass. <laughs> yeah. 
that was the only way to really play a Batman game is to have it jacked up on the hardest difficulty. Wouldn't and wouldn't be the first time in my life I had problems with Poison Ivy. Oh Lord! But that's a, that's another story for another time. <laughs> Save that one from uh, Wrestling News Live. That's something Trey would definitely want to hear about. Uncle Trey, dog. <laughs> Uncle Trey. Sure. So, uh, is there any other gaming news? I think that's pretty much everything I have. Um, actually, there was something I wanted to go over with you. Um, there was a list released. Uh, it was the most anticipated games of 2011. It was released by Yahoo uh, Games. It has some really good games on here, and I wanted to see what your thoughts on some of these were. Um, definitely, we're looking. Everyone is looking forward to Arkham Arkham City. I mean, it's a huge game that's coming out next year, and um, hell's yeah. It's looking really good. Um, a game that was announced at uh, Spike's BGA Awards, Uncharted 3, Drake's Deception, is on this list. Um, even though it's not coming to the Xbox, it's definitely a game that I'll be picking up. Uh, then my, one of my favorite games that's coming out in fall of 2011 is Mass Effect 3. Yep. Um, where's the other one? Uh, another one is uh, Marvel vs. Capcom 3, which comes out February 15th. Uh, have you seen anything on that? Maybe I'll get that for Valentine's Day. <laughs> that's that's a good that's a good one. Well, it, either that or a foot in the ass. I mean, either one oh. seems to work. You know, I mean, you never know dude, you never know. The, the funny thing is, um, I'm driving my little girl home th- this afternoon from the babysitter. Uh, cause I had some stuff to do today, so I, I actually took her to a babysitter. Um, <laughs> and she calls Natalia, Natalian. That's just how she says Natalia. It's Natalian. And, you know, she's been told by her mommy and her sisters that, you know, she used to wrestle Natalia back before she ever joined the WWE because, you know, Harmony was a, was a wrestler in Stampede for a number of years. And she had several matches with Natalia Neidhart. So she starts talking to me about how Natalian used to beat up Mommy. And at first I was like, what? She was, was I around when, when she was beating up Mommy? And I'm like, no, you weren't even born then. And she got all upset and she's all mad. And I'm like, well, it's not my fault you weren't born then. <laughs> but she, she gets, she gets real emotional about this stuff. You know, her Natalian, her Mommy. Her John Cena. <laughs> My kids are awesome. Yeah, I mean, the, from the times I've, I've had a chance to talk to them while they were on, I mean, little Lacey was on when we were talking. I remember that one time, and it was just funny to hear her talk and you telling her old things to say. And I was like, yeah, it's like that's that's JJ for you, JJ being the good dad and all. Yeah, I, I think Lexi might actually have a future in radio. People people love the Lexi's World segments, so. Well, yeah, they're hilarious. They're great. Rather hear that than uh, some of this other stuff we keep hearing on on radio. Yeah, no doubt. All right, so let's segue out of here. What was it you wanted to? Uh, I mean, we're going to take some calls, but was was there any other games that were coming out that you wanted to uh, to bring out? No major games. I just wanted to see what might be your top five games from 2010. My top five games. Um, I would say. Unequivocally, I really enjoy SmackDown vs. Raw 2011, even though it's buggy and it has its problems. Um, let's see, what else? Hmm. 
I actually enjoyed Transformers War for Cybertron, too. That was one of the best... Well, it was the best Transformers game I've ever played. Bar none. I really enjoyed the shit out of that. Oh, yeah. Um, Red Dead Redemption. Game of the year, of course. I was about to say, if you didn't say that one, we were going to have a talk right quick on the radio. <laughs> no, no. I, I, I forgot Red Dead Redemption. I just I need to play that. I haven't played it in a while. After I beat Undead yeah. Nightmare, I haven't touched it. Yeah. Can't remember. I, I haven't played Call of Duty Black Ops yet, so I can't comment. I, I hear it's great. The uh, the sales for it obviously tell me that it's great. Oh yes, the sales are massively high. I don't know. What what do you have for top five games? Um, top five for 2010 is definitely number five is Red Dead Redemption. I mean, I can't. I, I didn't enjoy it as much as you did. I'm sorry. Um, number you, you, four. You're just was mad silly. because I knifed your fucking horse. I understand, man. It was a game, dude. Come on, don't take that shit personal. I'm sorry I drove you off the cliff and you died. <laughs> oh my lord, I totally forgot about that. Thank you, JJ. Um. Number four was uh, Civilization Five because I'm a huge uh, Civilization Mark. Sid Myers is doing a great job on all of his games. Number three is uh, me with my MMOs, um, World of Warcraft Cataclysm, which came out just uh, two months ago. Number two uh, became my, my favorite game of all time at that time uh, is Alan Wake. Um, I remember coming on here and talking about it, calling it one of the most psychological crazy games of the year and then number one is mass effect 2 mass effect 2 just dominated my entire year as soon as mass effect 3 was announced i went back and started playing mass effect 2 again so i mean dude don't don't take it so personal i did the same thing to trey and i did the same thing to horseman i mean it happens man (laughs) i completely forgot that you had done that to me and shot me with a cannon. Let's not forget that. Oh, man, you flew like 50 feet in the air. That was some good shit. You and Deadeye both just doing that. At oh. least I shot Horseman a couple times. I was happy about that. Yeah, remember the time you, you like tried to get me back and you fucking knifed me and I just fucking shot you in the head? I'm like, fuck you, bitch. Yeah. Oh, my. Okay, and what, what was next on the, on the menu? I actually enjoyed Dragon Age 2 as, as well. I mean, Dragon Age 2 is coming out, but I enjoyed Dragon Age 1. Dragon Age Origins. I need to actually, go back and finish that. The uh, they've actually uh, um, somewhat announced a DLC or pack already for Dragon Age Two, the next expansion. Good. And they're talking about uh, the characters that are involved in that. So uh, before it even comes out, they're announcing DLC packs. Kind of crazy. Which probably means I'm going to go ahead and after I'm done with Mass Effect Two, I'll probably go ahead and beat Dragon Age. Just so I can be ready for Dragon Age 2. So. But on that note, uh, I'm going to open the phone lines. I think there's some people that want to call in and they have some things they want to talk about. So uh, if you do have something you want to comment, whether it was SmackDown tonight, which I thought was a great show, uh, the epic interview with, with Maria, or uh, whether it's any of the gaming talk that we're talking about, feel free to do so. Of course, uh, if you're on Skype, you can just add Sunday Night Showdown. And get us that way, or you can call us toll-free at 
1-800-605-4028. That's 1-800-605-4028 at no cost to you. So. Oh wow, we got a, we got a 1-800 number? Uh, Sweet. credit, credit the dog. The dog got the 1-800 number. Thank you, Uncle Trey. Uncle Trey dog. That just feels so wrong. <laughs> what kind of, well, well, it depends on the context you're using it. You sick <laughs> fuck. Then again, at least you don't own turkeys. <laughs> Crelly's the only motherfucker I know that would go out and buy two turkeys. Just, so okay, just because he likes gobbles. They would, dude, they were going to be for Christmas, okay? I did not buy them, they were going to be for Christmas. Now, now, what did you call the, uh, the other turkey butt stuffing? I, I guess so. I, I wanted to name it something and trade it butt stuffing, but I am open to taking other suggestions for the other turkey. How does your mom feel about butt stuffing? She, uh, she, she, she didn't know. I, I just got BS. <laughs> okay. Well, that, that seems to work apparently. And she had no idea, so yes, it's all good in the hood. Butt stuffing. Only the tray dog would come up with something like that. Yes, only tray. Now, what was this shit? You guys trying to start some shit in the chat saying I called him out? Uh, no, 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 I did not say that. I called him out with my redneck voice? I did not say that. I just that said, like... I said, unlike Trey, when I say you people, it's not a racist thing. Oh, my word. Is that not a true statement? It, it, it's a true statement, but I did not say you called him out. Let's not throw that on me. Let's throw it on somebody else. People trying to get some dissension upon the ranks here. Yeah. So it sounds like... No, that ain't going to happen. Uh, I do want to remind people that I want you to vote in the Wrestling Radio Awards. I want you to vote for who you like, but definitely vote for the programs on the SNS Radio Network. And if you don't want to vote for us, I'll just drive up to your house with a couple of Marines. Well, there you go. But, yeah, definitely vote. I believe Unplugged is up for show of the year, but it's also up for female interview of the year, Shelly Martinez. We definitely want you to do that. And, uh, you know, vote once a day, because you can only vote once a day. And uh, time is running out. January 30th is the last day to vote. So let's show the power of the SNS WNL family and put the SNS radio network where it belongs on top of the food chain. Because we have had a banner year in 2010, and I look for big things to happen in 2011. Randy's asking, how do we vote? Uh, just uh, you go to www.wrestlingradioawards.com, and you'll have the categories right in front of you. You basically get to pick wrestler of the year. You choose who you'd like, uh, match of the year. Then you have like uh, interviews of the year, like Kurt Angle on Wrestling News Live. Uh, media interview of the year, Mean Gene Okerlund on Wrestling News Live. Just go down the list and, you know, pick what you'd like. But it's all on the front page, as Maverick says. Yep, so definitely go show that Unplugged and Wrestling News Live are definitely some of the greatest shows you've ever listened to. Oh, yes. Well, I guess I'm going to wrap things up. Uh, apparently no one's calling in tonight, and I uh, I'm running out of stuff to talk about. Unless well, you, you have something that you want to talk about. 
Yeah, I guess it's time for me to go ahead and do this. Um, save the negativity till the end of the show, I guess, is how it goes. Um, Take us out on a bad note. Way to go, Sean. <laughs> it's not the first time I've done it. Don't forget. That is true. Um, as some of you guys know, there was a lot of things going on on the, on the SNS network a couple, about two or so months ago. Um, a lot of people were having problems with other people. And I was right in the middle of this. Uh, a couple of those guys left. And I told myself if I ever got caught in the middle, I would walk away from everything. Because I really did not want to have to choose sides. Um, due to the fact that a couple of things have happened, I've come to a realization that I have to make a decision. And I have to make a decision soon. So after a conversation with JJ this past week... And after a lot of thinking, I have come to the realization that my decision is made for me, basically. My decision is that I'm coming back to Unplugged. That is the only decision that I can make because JJ is one of the greatest friends I have in the world today because he has allowed me the chance to come on the radio and do what I do best, do what I love to do, talk video games, talk wrestling. JJ has allowed me... A lot of chances, and I thank him once again for allowing me the chance to come back to one of the greatest shows there is out there. And I'm unofficially, officially naming this year for SNS the year of domination because we will dominate everything. If you got a problem with this, suck it and get out because we will destroy everybody else. All of a sudden, I feel like playing some, this is what you call domination. Some Ezekiel Jackson. This is the nation of domination. Yeah, the nation of domination. Um, but, uh, JJ, I do want to say thank you once again for allowing me to come back after I walked away uh, three or so months ago due to uh, a few problems. So thank you very much. No, you know, you had your reasons, and I understood that. And, you know, I told you when you left, you're always welcome. So it's good to have you back, man. It's good to know that I'm not flying solo in the gaming segment. Again, so uh, I'm glad that you're you're back full time, man. I am very happy to be back, and uh, I never even left. Basically, is what it felt like. I was always here in the chat, calling in to talk some things. I mean, I was always here, and I just loved being here. Period, because this is a family. And as we were calling them earlier, we've got you and Harmony as the mother and father. We have Trey as the this crazy uncle sitting in the corner. We have Chris Kelly and Mace as the, uh, well, let me see if I can figure this out. The foreign bastards of the SNS network, the cousins. And then there's me, the other cousin who's just hanging out basically. Yeah, so, I mean, we got there's... cousin Trey and we got cousin JJ and we got cousin Crowley and cousin Sean. Woo! That's right. And it's a family. And, uh, I don't want to leave that family because. This is definitely a great family to be involved with. So I definitely thank everyone for being here, at least to uh, hear what I had to say. And I do thank everyone for being here, period, on the SNS network, because really, there's no other better place to be. And I want to thank not only you, Sean, and Crelly. I want to thank all you that do listen each and every week. Members, and it's not cliched, when we say you're a member of the family, we mean it. You know, we do this for you guys. If we didn't care, we wouldn't. So you guys are absolutely 
members of our extended family, whether you listen to Wrestling News Live, Unplugged, Sunday Night Showdown, we consider you uh, members of our family. It's a very interesting family, mind you, because you know, sometimes we all have some really interesting discussions on this particular network, but uh, I'm glad to have each and every one of you uh, as a member of my extended family. So thank you for the support that you've given in the year 2010 to the SNS Radio Network. And, uh, you know, I look for more in 2011, and, and we'll definitely deliver more. You know, maybe we'll have some new shows along the way. Maybe some old favorites will come back. You never know. I'm still waiting to hear back from Andy Knowles, the man who tells me he's got the itch to bring back the Pro Wrestling Rewind. I'll have to keep applying pressure to the noggin of one Andy Knowles, and hopefully in the very near future the Pro Wrestling Rewind will return to its home here on the SNS Radio Network. Before we close things out tonight, I do want to remind you that unfortunately there is a TNA pay-per-view on Sunday. Which means my cabinet might be stocked with some wild chicken. Um, so we will be covering that here on the SNS Radio Network starting at, obviously, 8 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. Sunday Night Showdown returns to the airwaves with Harmony Boom Boom Sex A, Mark the Shark DiCarlo, one step closer to dashing Internet Dave Standish, and, of course, me, Mr. Money on the Mic, who may or may not be shit-faced by the time the show is over, considering that it is TNA. But Genesis, this Sunday, we will be covering it live, so if uh, if you're watching the pay-per-view, or if you at least want to hear good commentary, tune in right here to the SNS Radio Network, and uh, mute Taz and Tanae, and you'll get a much better show. Oh my, this is just going to be hilarious. Yeah, I mean, uh, mystery opponent, does anybody have any thoughts on who the mystery opponent opponent is, I mean, I have to think it's going to be Matthew All Caps Hardy for which match? Uh, the mystery opponent for RVD. Oh, uh, does anyone care? Considering I think his ninety days are up. They are up, aren't they? Wow. When um, did if Crelly's still so on? When did he get released? I don't have the official oh, date, but I'm pretty sure his ninety days are up. Let me go check because he uh, he claimed in interviews that he was actually granted his release two weeks before it was announced, and I do believe that if he says if we take his his real release date, they claim it was two weeks before his actual release, his no compete clause would be up last week. So depending on when you believe it, his uh, yeah he was released on the fifteenth of October. So, so that, that that sounds about right then. So um, when's the pay per view? Pay per view is on the ninth, Sunday. The ninth. Yes, if if he was released two weeks before he the fifteenth, then yes, his contract would have, his no compete would have expired earlier last month. Well, now he's saying his first wrestling match is on the fifteenth against MVP for Northeast Championship Wrestling. Yes, because, well, it, it depends what, what you believe, because he said in the interview recently that his no-compete expired two weeks before his actual release was announced. Well, it just makes it makes perfect sense for him to show up and be the mystery opponent. I can't think of anybody else. Shane Helms? <laughs> well, what would Shane Helms bring to the table? Well, you could play off the fact that they did used to be part of Omega. Maybe. 
I don't know. I, I, I think it's Matt Hardy, but uh, I believe we have somebody on the phone lines. Welcome to Unplugged. Who's this? JJ, TM Bronx. I hope I'm not too late. No, what's up, Bronx? Hello? Yeah, we're, yeah, we're what's here. What's up, man? I figured, uh, I figured let me call you when you started talking uh, TNA. Uh, I got a question. First of all, uh, I thought Impact last night was like, I wish I had some wild chicken, man, because I actually sat my way through it. <laughs> and it was like I would have given anything to be intoxicated, and unfortunately I wasn't. Um, but a question I have, if Jeff Hardy's sentence is 45 days or less, do you, re- do you think, as I do, that they'll actually keep the fucking on him until he gets out of jail? Um, I, you know what? I think they are banking on the fact they think that he's going to be a first time drug offender and that they're going to drop some of the charges because he's pleading guilty and that he is not going to get jail time is what is, I believe, perceived to be happening. But honestly, I think he's getting jail time. And if they're going to keep this belt on him, what really bothers me is that you have a pay-per-view where your championship is not going to be defended in a month where Jeff Hardy goes to goes to court and could face jail time. I mean, he's even been promoted on the Against All Odds pay-per-view poster. So, you know what? I mean, that that shits on your belt more than anything else. I mean, you're having a pay-per-view. All right. You know, and again, it's the first pay-per-view of 2011, and you're, I mean, as far as we know up to this point, you never know what swerve they may throw our way. Your world title being defended on a pay-per-view? What the fuck? WTF? Well, I mean, I guess as, as long as, you know, uh, there used to be a 30-day rule. I don't know if TNA's ever had that rule, but I know in places like WCW and even the WWF, WWE, there was a 30-day no-compete rule. If you didn't defend that title in 30 days, you were stripped of it. Now, I don't know what they're going to do. The fact that they put the belt on him in the first place, to me, you know, smells of shit. I mean, if you were going to put a belt on anybody, especially, you know, as it relates to the three participants in that match, why you put it on Jeff Hardy other than the fact to get some shock value because the guy's been a babyface all his life and not on a guy like Ken Anderson, who would have been the logical choice, you know, I'm baffled by that. But the fact that this is a cat who in 2009 got arrested and was charged with drug trafficking and has had all these continuances. It just, it's unreal to me. I think he's going to see jail time and this is going to be a black eye for TNA wrestling. But in the end, they did it to themselves. I do believe yeah. the team does have. So go ahead, yeah. um, uh, I just want to say this right quick. Uh, when NWA was part of uh, TNA, when it was NWA slash TNA, they had a 30 day no complete. No compete clause, um, basically, that if you did not defend the title, your NWA title was stripped from you. Um, I believe that when NWA left, TNA did not keep that, that rule. So. I think they, I think they used it once. I think when, uh, when AD Styles won the world title, he came out on Impact and said, I didn't, I, I can defend my belt tonight and not defend it another, not defend it for another 30 days, if you remember when Ric Flair joined him. So I do believe they do have the 30 day, no, uh, sorry, 30 day defender belt clause. Which, if you think about it, they could film a month of Impact in four days, have Jeff appear, appear on the Impacts, 
and was in jail. So in theory, he on TV he still defended his belt within the thirty days. I mean, so, that's that, that's well, a good point, but you know, you have to look at it like this. Sorry, Bronx. Uh, you have to look at it like this. With TNA, they basically just pick and choose whatever rules they want. You know, uh, didn't Abyss win the title in a in, in a disqualification that there's only been one time they've ever done that? So I mean, it's I think they just oh well. Uh, I, I don't have to defend this belt for 30 days because I just did. Uh, you know, they just pick and choose. But, Bronx, sorry about that. You have the floor. Oh, thank you, man. Well, you know, just to get away from that for a minute, I mean, right now, you know, there are two storylines going on also in TNA. One's pissing me off and one I think is kind of cool. The Pope-Samoa Joe thing, I like that. That was basically the only thing on TNA last night that I can say I really liked. I like the way this is going, that. Joe is just, you know, going around saying to the Pope, you know what, you're full of it, man. You keep talking about the congregation and, you know, how you're this great guy in the community, and I have proof that, you know, you're really a liar and a cheat. That's a cool storyline. That's that's a storyline, I think, that has some legs. But the one storyline that I'm really kind of getting tired of is this whole Matt Morgan, Mr. Anderson-like you know, I mean, Anderson's a grown man, and they're putting this storyline like, oh, you know, Morgan's like, oh, you you know, you shouldn't wrestle, you shouldn't wrestle. Look, the guy, he, he's been, you know, he's gotten rid of this concussion, like, fucking for 60 days now. It's getting to the point now where it's almost like, you know, Morgan's, you know, if I'm Anderson, I would just come out and say, listen, fucker, I'm a man. You know, I, I'll wrestle when I feel like I want to wrestle, you know, and Anderson didn't ask freaking Morgan to, you know, turn down Immortal to protect him. That storyline to me is really, really getting played. I mean, it's just like, it's, it's actually getting, you know, no offense to anyone, kind of gay, don't you think? Just a bit. Well, you know, <laughs> the, the fact that, you know, these guys are going to be, I don't even know if they're going to be the main event, but it's a number one contendership. For the you know TNA World Heavyweight Championship, it just it kills me. And, and on top of that, and this is the funny thing, Kurt Angle's actually going to be pulling double duty on Sunday. I don't know if you read the reports on this, but apparently he's going to be on uh, Extreme Makeover, Extreme Home Makeover, on Sunday, competing head to head with the TNA Genesis pay per view. <laughs> And he was promoting it on Twitter, and he's like, well, watch whichever one you want to watch. That's, oh, my uh, God. Yeah, I mean. I guess that shows his faith. I mean, that that kills me. I mean, and I love Kurt Angle, don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not bad-mouthing the guy, but I just think it's funny that he's going to be on ABC television at the same time that he's on pay-per-view live. I just... What was the planning stages of that? It was like, can we maybe have it the week before, maybe the week after? No, we're going we're gonna to do it against the pay-per-view. <laughs> okay. Awesome. Fuck wild chicken. You're, you're going to I'm sorry. You know what? I, I'm actually going to be you're getting gonna it. You're going to need wild velociraptor to, to deal with that shit. I mean, you're going you're gonna to have to drink freaking gasoline to deal with that shit Sunday. That's the way it looks. Well, you know what? And, and I don't know how Sunday's going to go because I'm not buying the pay-per-view. I am going to do just like everybody else in the world, and I'm going to find a fucking stream, and I'm going to watch it that way. 
because I made a New Year's resolution to not give TNA any of my money this year after all the shit they've put me through. And you just yeah. put that out there. Oh, shit. <laughs> what, what are they going to do? Fucking sue me? I don't think so. They Fuck can't them. prove he was watching a stream. No, but I can. I don't give a shit. They don't shut them down. Who cares? If they want to no, lose money that way, then let them. They can't prove that you were watching the stream, though. So they this really can't true. see you. So Sunday is going to be interesting. We're probably going to have a lot of uh, talk about the Royal Rumble on Sunday. So definitely, uh, definitely stay tuned to Sunday Night Showdown this Sunday. Oh, without a doubt, I'll, I'll be. I'll stay tuned to that, and uh, you know, be interesting to see if maybe who knows. Maybe they want to keep it quiet. Maybe they will throw a last-minute title match in Sunday and get the belt off Jeff. I mean, you have to, man. If I'm that company, I have to say, we can't take a chance. I mean, it's getting to the point where, all right, let's say the guy keeps the belt until he goes for his plea deal. Let's say the plea deal does involve jail time. Well, I don't know how long you usually get to surrender yourself to the police, but that's about as much time as they have to get the belt off him. I'm telling you, and this is my prediction, I wouldn't be surprised if it's a 45-day sentence or less, they will keep him as champion until he gets out of jail. And that would be, I don't know, that, that might just break, break me from TNA permanently because that would be the biggest bullshit I've ever heard in my life. But uh, thanks for taking the phone call, guys. And uh, the 800 number is great. You guys are stepping up in 2011. Crelly, great job, man. That was a A-plus interview. I think it's definitely a contender for the 2012 WRA Awards. And uh, you guys have a great evening, and take care. See, once again, props go to Crelly and Trey Dog. There you go. They deserve it. Of course. All right. Thanks, I Bronx. Wanna, I, I do want to throw out there right quick that, uh, sorry, Bronx, uh, have a good night to you, brother. Um, I do want to throw out there that too, last Oh, Oh, wait, Bronx, month. Bronx, don't leave yet. Hold on. Go ahead. Go ahead, Sean. Wait, wait one second before you go. Go ahead, Sean. Last month's uh, pay per view, they did consider taking the belt off of Hardy because he appeared to be uh, drugged up or very exhausted um, backstage, and they considered taking the belt off of him in a uh, in basically a triple threat match that he was not going to be a, a part of. Um, so they may end up doing that again, saying, "You know what? We're stripping you of the belt uh, because we feel that you're not fit to wear this belt." And then they say, you know what, tonight, instead of this being a number one contenders match, it's now for the belt. So go out there and have a good one, gentlemen. So, I mean, it could be like that. I uh, never know what, what TNA is going to do. I mean, it's TNA. And you know what? That is a, a fair point. I still think that they screwed the pooch when they didn't take it off of him last month or whenever it was he showed up high to the show and was like, oh, well, you know, I was, I was in Abu Dhabi. Or Yabadabadoobie, as Trey would call it. And I'm, I'm just too tired with a newborn baby and, you know, like he was the only one that traveled. You know, to me that, that was a, a big sign, especially with the report that, you know, he was, he's working shows under the influence anyway. But anyway, I'm not gonna judge the guy. That's just rumors. I can't prove it. It's all hearsay. But Bronx, you still with us? I guess Bronx is gone. Yeah, he left. Oh well. I was gonna ask him about how his Star Wars experience is going, because he actually 
recently just sat down and watched the original Star Wars trilogy. And, and you know, he had never seen it before. And, and you know me, I, I love to talk a little Star Wars. <laughs> there we go. Let's get some Imperial March playing in the background. Uh, JJ, actually, um, I meant to tell you, uh, for Christmas, I got uh, the poster. It's called the Star Wars Galaxy Poster. It has every single character in in any Star Wars movie on the poster. Really? Yeah, I'm absolutely loving it. I've got to frame it and put it on my wall, but uh, I'm really going to enjoy putting that up. And for those of you that are Star Wars fans, and especially of the, uh, the Clone Wars, tonight marks the debut episode of the Savage Opress trilogy. Unfortunately, I forgot to tape to Cartoon Network tonight, so I'm going to have to watch it on YouTube. But uh, Savage Opress is the brother of former Sith apprentice to Darth Sidious, Darth Maul. And uh, basically the the storyline is that Count Dooku is forced to get rid of Asajj Ventress due to the Emperor wanting her out of the way. And of course Asajj Ventress survives the assassination attempt, goes to the Night Sisters, and they come up with a plan to... uh, take Savage Opress to be trained to be Count Dooku's new apprentice. So that begins tonight on the Cartoon Network. Definitely check that out if you're a fan of the Clone Wars, because there's some major revelations at the end of this trilogy. With that said, let's go to the phone lines. I believe I have a call on the line. Welcome to Unplugged. Who's this? Yeah, it's Bronx again. I'm sorry, man. My phone cut out. Oh, that's all right, Bronx. I want to... I want to thank you on Wrestling News Live for covering my ass and making me not sound like I approve um, sisters and brothers doing the wild thing because you were absolutely correct. I wasn't aware when I wrote you that email. I hadn't seen Return of the Jedi yet. didn't know that uh, the princess and, uh, you know, Luke were brother and sister. So I kind of sounded like an asshole. <laughs> no, well, no. I mean, if you hadn't seen it, I mean, that was the big reveal. What What did you think uh, when you watched Empire Strikes Back? You know that that pivotal scene between Luke Skywalker and Darth Vader. You know when Luke's hand gets cut off, and you know James Earl Jones says, "Obi Wan never told you what happened to your father. I am your father." Was that not a moment? That was well, just I awesome. Like- and I tell you, man, Mark Hamill played it up great. He was like, no, that can't be. I mean, you could see he was he was messed up. And, I mean, it was like, I'm looking forward to seeing parts one through three. I can't believe mm. that as a 33-year-old man, I went this long without watching it. I mean, it really, it really is a fucking epic, epic thing. I mean, I love that the end of um, uh, Return of the Jedi, the way... Uh, Vader redeems himself, and at the end, he gets to join um, Yoda and Obi-Wan in, I guess, what you would call uh, Force Heaven. I mean, it was just so great to see him get his body back and, and you know, redeem himself. It was cool. I would love to see them make a, uh, a Part 7. Hopefully, that'll happen at some point. Well, you know, I wait, I, I, wait. I know that... What? I have a question first. Okay. Bronx? Which version mm-hmm. of Return of the Jedi did you watch? Did you watch one Hayden Christensen at the end, or did you watch the original real ending with the reg- with the real Darth Vader? Yeah, with, with Sebastian Shaw playing the uh, yes the original Anakin Skywalker from the Return of the Jedi movie. 
I'll be honest with you, I'm not exact. I have to look that up. I have to look at the disc I have. I'm not sure which one I watched. I know that um, uh, A was New a, Hope, was... which was considered part four, that I watched the original version, the one that didn't have all the CG and everything added to it. Yeah. But the part uh, six that I watched, I know that, you know, Vader was laying on the ground and he tells Luke, you know, help me take this mask off so I can see you with my own eyes. But who played Vader at that point, I'm not, sh I really don't know. I'd have to look that up. What, 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 was it an old guy or a young guy? Yeah. It looked like a much older guy to me. Okay, so you saw the original copy of Return of the Jedi. Okay. That's now, the uh, hmm. ultimate test, really, is you got to watch the original and not give a crap about the newer stuff that just came out that George Lucas screwed us on. Now, now, and, and I will say this. The original trilogy is better than the newer trilogy. I mean, the story is basically the redemption. The, the whole six movies is basically the redemption of Anakin Skywalker. Now, I'm going to warn you now. When you watch the first one, you're going to get really annoyed by Jar Jar Binks. Oh yes. Oh, Sani. Oh, ooh, P. Yusa. Yeah, he is the most annoying motherfucker in the Star Wars universe. So you, you have to just try to put it out of your mind that this bastard is in the movie. But wait a minute, Jar Jar is a fucking he. I always thought Jar Jar was a she. What the fuck? No, oh. no. Jar Jar Binks is a gungan. He's like this aquatic creature that. Talks really funny and is kind of retarded, but you know, I mean, not that that's a bad thing. But he's the most annoying character in the first one, and you're going to find that, you know, uh, the first trilogy is not as good. However, I will say that my favorite movies in the series are Empire Strikes Back and Revenge of the Sith. Revenge of the Sith being the number three movie. So those are my two favorites. I mean, the original trilogy, the best. The, the newer trilogy that deals with the, the, the fall to the dark side by Darth Vader. Not as good, but I mean, as far as, as cinematic moments, the CGI is off the charts. The lightsaber battles are awesome. I definitely recommend watching the movies, but not as good as the original trilogy. But you couldn't because it's a different well, time now. Well, I'll tell you one thing. One scene that really shocked the shit out of me. I mean, it was amazing to me how... Um Oh, God. What the hell is his name? Um, God, it's so freaking late, I can't even remember. The fat motherfucker from part uh, Jabba. Six. Jabba the Hutt. Jabba. You know, Jabba seemed to have been such an ingrained character, and it amazed me the way the, the princess put Daniel Bryan to shame when she just yoked the shit out of him with that chain. I was like, holy shit. I, I never thought his end would come that way. Pudu no bada banta pudu. <laughs> wow. And the little Gigi. prick with the, the little prick with the one eye, I wanted to see him die so bad. That little fucker who just kept laughing throughout the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Shalicious Crumb. Yeah, yeah. Return of the Jedi was awesome because you got to see Luke Skywalker uh basically kill a freaking Rancor. Oh yes. It was awesome. I, I did feel sorry well, for that guy. Luke Luke got Luke got fucking gangster in part six. I mean, you could just see the look on his face that he was more grizzled and older 
and and the way he used the Jedi mind trick and, and everything, you could just see that he said, you know what, I'm not screwing around anymore. I mean, in parts four and five, he was kind of like, you know, he was just learning and everything. But in part six, he really did become like a badass until, you know, the Emperor started frying the shit out of him. Daddy, help me! You know, I mean, <laughs> what else can you do? Well, you know, and like any good father, he couldn't stand to see his child being, you know, messed up by some old bastard. So, you know, in the end, the redemption of Anakin Skywalker was a good thing. But I definitely recommend the saga. I'm a huge Star Wars fan, as most of you know. Seems like I have at least one Star Wars reference a show, I, you know. We're kind of going overboard tonight, but uh, I'm glad that I was able to kind of get you uh, to watch the show. And, and definitely, I want to hear your opinions on one through three when you see it. I still say of that trilogy, the third one is absolutely the best. But number two, Attack of the Clones, has an epic lightsaber scene between Yoda and Count Dooku. And you can't miss that. So uh, definitely get back to me. Let me know what you thought. Of the uh, of the trilogy. All right. Well, maybe I'll maybe I'll check out part one tonight, and uh, hopefully, you know, over the weekend I can get all three going. And maybe next week on Unplugged, I'll let you know what I thought. But definitely, I want to thank you for. Uh, well, I don't remember who it was that called me gay for not watching them. I don't know if it was Trey. It probably was. <laughs> I think but, it was. Uh, I think it might have been me. Possibly, I don't know yet. I don't remember that far back. That sounds like uh, a trade thing, being racial. But I have to say, I really did enjoy it. You know, as a as a, a Trekkie all my life, I didn't think that you could mix the two. But, I mean, it is some good shit. I mean, great filmmaking. I mean, I don't know why Lucas went back and, and changed. You know, these directors go back and, and their originals are so good and they go and think they can make it better and they end up fucking it up. I mean, when I had the choice between seeing the original version of Part 4 or the remastered version, I said, fuck it. You know, 1977 was the year I was born. Let me see the original. I mean, his his special effects were fucking 30 years ahead of their time. I mean, unbelievable for, for shit that's, you know, over 30 years old. I agree. It, I agree. It's an iconic series, and it will not die until probably... Uh, I mean, something better comes out, and I really don't think I will ever see anything better than that come out, unless, for some miracle, somebody decides to do a remake, which then pretty much everyone will boycott because it's not George Lucas. And, and you want to hear a funny little tidbit? There was a news article that I read recently with Sylvester Stallone talking about movies that he turned down roles in, or uh, he was actually up for the part of Han Solo. I shit you not. You know what? Uh, yo, Chewbacca, uh, what's wrong with the hyperdrive, huh? Yo, Leia, uh, what's going on here? Just look at it, Leia, Leia, I, I love you. I love you too, Hans. Uh, uh, do, do you want to, if you want to be with Luke, uh, I understand. He's my brother. He's your brother, Adrian. You bad, you bitch. What did you do? Oh God! It'd be like, oh, yo, hey, if you want to be with him, like, I understand. I'm gonna punch his fucking head in, but uh, you know, I'll be okay with it. You know, after I beat his ass, you know, it'd be all good. You know? Yeah, and instead of and instead of save me, father, it would have been cut me, father, cut me. <laughs> oh gosh! 
You gotta crap ice cream. You gotta, you gotta eat thunder. Go get him, Rock. <laughs> All right, now we're starting and to make no sense. And now the show is going downhill. Bronx, thanks for the call, brother. I will talk to you soon. Yeah, it, let me get off here because it's, it's, <laughs> it's breaking down. Good night, guys. All right, Sean, any last words before we get the fuck out of here? I'm going uh, to pilot I, this Millennium Falcon into the ground. It's crashing you know and um, burning. Since we're talking about Han Solo right quick, um, I was walking through uh, Barnes & Noble today picking up some new books, and uh, every single book that has the Star Wars history to it has basically the same likeness of every single actor who played that character. I can only wonder how much money these people are making off of these books. I mean, it, it's it's crazy. You know, I used, I used to have the Star Wars disco theme on here, and I can't find it. <laughs> no, JJ, no. Let's just end the show. Um, my last thoughts is basically the theme that Eric Bischoff used when he came back to, w, to, to WWE. I'm back, and I'm better than ever. Well, I can see that Harmony's been on my computer because there's some new kids on the block songs. <laughs> Don't perk up and be like, what, huh? You talking about me? <laughs> oh, and you don't use this one? Yeah, I hear you. She, dude, like, she literally, like, wrote on Facebook that she creamed when she saw NOKTB and Backstreet Boys perform on New Year's Eve. She got Ladywood. I've already been told, I've already been told she's going to the concert. Oh, my. She's going by herself, uh, but she's that. going. <laughs> uh, no, she's she's going, but just not with me. Oh. I am totally not going to see no damn new kids on the block. Ain't happening. <laughs> Fucking new kids on the block. Yeah, and Backstreet back Boys, yes. The Backdoor Boys. <laughs> All right, on that note, this show is done. We we are out of here. <laughs> I hope Crelly's gone. Crelly, you got anything to pimp before we leave? Um, no, just next week. Be sure to check out us as we interview Jack Gaspar. That's it. That's very anticlimactic. All right. On that note, <laughs> on behalf, oh, I'm sorry. It's, it's half past six in the morning. Here. What, 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 what do you want? Some of the dance? No. Here you go. Here you go. Here you go. Next week, right here, you will hear Jet, Chad Gaspar. Right? Dad. Who's Dad? Yeah, Chad Gaspar. <laughs> Shad Gaspar, right here, thanks to Crelly, the boy, Chris Chris Kelly. Make sure you listen. Peace. No, this is how it should be done. <laughs> right here, live, just for you, on Unplugged, the international sensation, Crelly, the gigolo JJ Sexay, will be interviewing, just for you, Shad Gaspar. And afterward, Crelly's going to sing, oh, 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 the no, right no, stuff. Uh-oh. That was hilarious with the Star Wars music in the background. Thank you, Harmony. That just totally made the show. The, <laughs> fact, the fact that Duel of the Fates is playing in the background, and she's cutting a promo for next week's show. That, that That's epic right there. I just turned that off. Stop! No, stop! <laughs> what the fuck? Oh, okay, i got to close that. I was like, we're going to end the show with Star Wars, apparently. It won't stop. It just keeps going. It's the gift that keeps giving, people.
Wait, I thought that was what Trey had. Oh, let's let's move on. Anyway, with that said, he's going to call in in a minute, and I'm not I'm not going to put up with that rage. So on that note, on behalf of the sensational Sean, who's back, baby, on the SNS oh, Radio yeah. Network right here on Unplugged, Chris Kelly from Headlocks to Headlines dot com, the man responsible for booking all the great interviews, and again, great job with Maria tonight. I am Mister Money on the Mic, JJ, all caps, sex a. And I will see you this Sunday right here on the SNS Radio Network for another edition of Sunday Night Showdown. Will I be drunk? Will I be sober? I don't know. It's TNA Genesis. Take with it as you will. But with that being said, Harmony, go ahead. Bring on the wild chicken. And Curly can bring the fucking two turkeys that he owns, gobbles and butt stuffing. But with that said, we are out of here. We're going to end things with Maria Canales. I believe she picked the song called Fantasy, which was her first. So, ladies and gentlemen, to take us out of here, let's kick it over to Maria for Song of the Night. And if Trey were here, he'd sing it. Ah, oh, what the hell, I'll do it. Song of the Night, Song of the Night. Maria gets to sing the Song of the Night. Good night, white people and black people and everybody else. I will see you this Sunday right here on the SNS Radio Network. I'm JJ Sexay, and you've just been unplugged. Stop.